Age of Sigmar story phase. Grab your hammer so we can clear a path through the chaos and forge our own narratives in the Age of Sigmar. Your allies through the garden this episode are... Hi, my name is Paul. And guys, did you know that there is a nursery rhyme about a carousel of Nurgle? Did you know that? I didn't know that. No. It, it goes, the wheels filled with pus go around and... Uh, <laughs> I don't like that one, but gosh. Uh, and I'm Aaron, and I got a fever, and the only prescription is more Nurgle Bells. Oh, no. My, <laughs> boy, I'm Davey, uh, and mine is the task of giving inevitability the occasional push. And I'm Phil. Uh, Nurgle is gross. That's all you need to know. In this episode, we cover the lore of the Magikin and Nurgle battle tome. Get ready to hear a whole lot of regurgitation, flatulence, and loose bowel movements. And then if we have time after all that, we'll talk about those rot boys. How are you tonight, my fellow gardeners? Good. Great, Aaron. We're doing good. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Pretty so solid. Good. Pretty solid. <laughs> Not grossed out. Uh, I'm doing pretty solid too, my friends. Um, first of all, thank you, David, for uh, keeping the trend role. I assume that was David who had filled in uh, the... I don't know what is not a joke. What's the the on running goof from Nurgle, uh, our Nurgle Claws? I think <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. Um, we are here today to talk about, like I just said, I, I'm just re- repeating myself. The Magikin and Nurgle, Nurgle Battle Tome, um, and all the gross goodness uh, inside of it. We're going to talk about grandfather's blessings, but before we do, we're probably going to have to chat about what we've been up to in the hobby, as we often do. Um, and we've got a, we've got a full we got a full staff tonight, so uh, let's jump right into it, guys. Uh, what have you been doing? Let's start with Paul. What you been up to in the hobby? I have been painting up uh, appropriately um, Ripa's snarfangs. Although I've just been painting up yeah, Ripa so far the last couple of days. Um, mm. uh, they are grots, so I like them, and they've got wolves, which is super cool. Um, and I've also been pulling out all my Nurgle. Turns out I have two two thousand points armies of Nurgle. Who knew? Wow. Two, two separate 2,000 points? Two separate 2,000 points. One completely demons and one completely drowned men. Oh, interesting. Wow. That's cool. Yeah, that was a surprise to me. <laughs> I was like, oh, I, I guess I just have this many points. I've been told the points went up super a lot in the last mm. book or something. But yeah, apparently. Wow. Oh, I'll tell you what, you know. if you don't want to be surprised by that, uh, start creating a spreadsheet for all your stuff and you'll never be surprised again <laughs> about mm. the stuff that you got. But where's uh, the fun in that? I know, right? Uh, it is. Well, no, I, I just, I just, said, I just said the spreadsheet was the fun. Uh, Davey, what have you been up to? Tell me. Uh, had a, a brief hiatus recently because we've been traveling a little bit for the holidays. Uh, but what the heck, so listeners will know that I uh, did up some uh, Grimwatch, which is to say the uh, Flesh Eater Quartz Warband for uh, Underworlds. Um, and in the tradition of uh, Underworlds Warbands, I use it as an excuse to try some things I hadn't really done before. So um, kind of like a pallid, irritated flesh sort of thing. And then for the contrast, some real dark, splashy blood on them. Um, that was kind of a fun fun little thing to try out. So um, pretty happy with them and uh, trying to pick my next project. Right on, right on. Uh, weird definition of the word fun. Um, <laughs> gross says, in a different way. Says the pot. <laughs> <laughs> um, I... I, I, I'm hoping that there's going to be a, a trend here, and I'm going to see if it plays off, uh, pays off. Uh, Phil, what have you been working on in the hobby? Uh, well, I've also been on a hiatus due to holidays and doing things unrelated to the hobby entirely, but um, been working on decks for Underworlds and should be getting back to finishing painting my Seraphon for Underworlds here fairly soon, I hope. Uh, but yeah, not a, not a ton else. Um 
excellent. The trend has been completed because I will say that I've been assembling, I don't know if I'm saying this right, Skaith's Wild Hunt. So I believe that means four out of four of us have been working on Underworld's nonsense. Um, (laughs) So good job, team. We just, is now turned into the art. It's just now an Underworld's podcast, a second Underworld's podcast, a second (laughs) worse Underworld's podcast. (laughs) Has Um, nothing to do with Underworld's. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What the heck is going on is my question. I'm trying to even think what to justify why I even started on Skates Wild Hunt, other than the Karnathi are cool as heck. Nope, yeah, I have no reason. No. I just wanted, I guess, because I, I had all my other Sylvaneth stuff put together mm-hmm. and I was looking at keywords. I realized that these dudes have the Sylvaneth keyword too, which mm-hmm. doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but that's fine. Uh, so I figured I got to complete the <laughs> the set. And Aaron, what's your scry? Are we ever going to see Karnathi in the bigger game? Yeah, I wonder. <laughs> um, I, I think we are. I think. This is a bigger scry in that I do think the direction the game is going to go is going to have a bunch of uh, larger umbrella like battle tomes or armies or something like that with a lot of like sub, like very distinct or bespoke sub factions in the same way like that the orc book. Like obviously like there's like three different armies under one umbrella. It's some of the soup soup books. I call it the soup books, I guess. Um, I think that one day, maybe not tomorrow, maybe not the next day, but one day uh, Sylvaneth will have something similar where they'll have like differentiating like diff- different sub armies under that sylvaneth umbrella but they're all sort of part of that army of life is my guess Had it. so there you go uh i hope it was a longer or I, i'm sure that was a longer answer than what you wanted um i think that covers it my friends maybe we jump into the story phase unless there's anything else you guys want to talk about nothing i'd rather talk let's about let's do it one stuff. two three paul give me some story phase in the story phase, we delve into the stories, characters, creatures, and environments of the Nine Realms. To be clear, yes, I am halfway through this cup of coffee. Uh, <laughs> thanks for asking. Um, Is it half right. or no, man? Or no, God, no. Uh, not at all. I got a baby I got to feed in a few hours, yeah. so uh, we got to keep it. Keep Here's it the problem, Aaron. Like, people can adjust the uh, speed of their playback, so they could they could slow it down to be able to understand you. But then we're all going to sound like we're uh, stuck in the last of the rest of us. So you're really putting the listeners in a tough spot. <laughs> Keep your finger hovering over that. I don't know. Is there a speed button? Maybe. Possibly. Um, at any rate, guys, we're in the meat of it. The story phase. Um, let's start with my favorite section. And I think probably everybody else's favorite section, too. And that is uh, I want to get your your best one sentence summary of who or what or how the Magikin of Nurgle army or faction, sum them up in one sentence, off the cuff. Surprise. Um, And let's start with Paul, because he always does such a good job. Paul, can you give me your best one-sentence summary of the Magikin of Nurgle? Uh, Let's go with disgustingly diseased, disgustingly resilient, and disgustingly blasé bringers (laughs) of misery and death. Let's go with that. Sure. Misery and death. I like it. Um, and that was hardly even a run on sentence. Well, I guess, um, <laughs> let's see if, uh, let's see if, I'll tell you what, let's see if Davey can, can top it. Can you, can you do us one better? Uh, the rotten followers of the plague God bringing the salvation of, uh, losing hope to all they encounter. Okay. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I like the hope aspect of it. That's important. Uh, and Phil, uh, destroy the both of them. Um, <laughs> top them with your best. Your oh, best like freestyle I, rap. <laughs> I, I feel like I might already know where you're going to go with this. What? Give me your one sentence summary. Of I'm, I, I would say that they are disease-ridden destroyers bringing misery to the mortal realms 
sick boys, if you will. <laughs> sick boys. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Bring it nice. full circle. Uh, and also they're gross. There's they're that. Just, they're real gross. Yeah, they're real gross. <laughs> um, if that doesn't sum up the Maggie Cannon Nurgle, then I don't know what does. Uh, if Listener, if you're pressed for time, you could probably stop right there. That's all you needed to know. Um, <laughs> if I'm pressed if, for time, can I stop right now? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little tired. Maybe I'll just stop right now. But if you've got a minute, both uh, both my fellow hosts and listeners, um, please stick with us as we talk more about what was contained in this uh, you know, gross tome. Hosts is rather at. apropos for uh, this battle tome. Yeah, well, uh, that's true. Uh, that's definitely where they come from and what they kind of come into being is from disease. Mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. are defined by the diseases that they bring into the mortal realms from the realm of chaos, specifically Nurgle's garden. Yeah. That's absolutely, that's absolutely true. Um, actually, so speaking of quote unquote coming into the mortal realms, um, they had to, they had to have started somewhere, right? Every, I guess every disease has its initial vector. I don't know the right words for it. Um, and that's my, this is my ham fisted way to start. Let's, let's just do a little bit of an origin story here. Let's start at the beginning because it's, it's a very good place to start. Um, <laughs> where does, where do, where do these fine folks, where do they come from as it relates to the, the moral realms? I don't want to dig too far into the past before sort of the, the, you know, origin of, of the moral realms and, you know, the age of myth. Let's, let's, let's put a hard, hard stop at the beginning. Um, but do we have any insights as to, um, how this, army this faction this this force um got their start in the mortal realms anybody have any thoughts there well the book describes it as uh, nurgle seeing the mortal realms he desired to spread his blessings to this new land uh and so he unleashed his plague flies into the mortal realms uh and those plague flies then sort of go in i guess i'm not even sure the right word but like they uh they sort of spin there's this like story of grandfather Nurgle to the people of the mortal realms and sort of pervert the, uh, the worshipers of fertility gods to be like, Hey, you're, you know, sort of suffering under these conditions. We, we got, we know this guy, he can help you out with some gifts that'll make things better for you. Yeah. And, and boy, does he, uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. So it's, 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 it's kind of a uh, story that's echoed across in some ways, the other chaos gods, right? And that like their attention was drawn to the mortal realms. They realized, hey, that's a new place. I want it. Like kind of like uh, like my children. They see something new. They want it immediately. <laughs> uh, and then they, they approach it with sort of their, their own unique ways, right? In, in, in terms of infiltrating it and sort of setting the stage for their inevitable, as we all know, um, invasion into it. So uh, it, what better way to sort of plant the seeds of corruption in the moral realms than with a bunch of whispering flies, man? That's, that's his MO. That makes yeah. sense. Would you say that uh, he saw the Mortal Realms as a poo-poo pupae? I I wouldn't need to because you just did. It would be redundant. <laughs> Far be it for me to re- uh, be repetitive. God, never. I wouldn't dream of it. Um, so this is basically, this is back in the age of myth, right? So back when everything was hunky-dory in the Mortal Realms, uh, uh, the halcyon golden age uh, of the uh, Mortal Realms. Um, but uh, it was ends up being soon thereafter, obviously, that the age chaos kicks in but did any other i don't know stories or uh tidbits lower lower bites um from that age of myth jump out at you guys that you wanted to talk about before we sort of transition i think something that stuck with me this time reading through the battle tome that hasn't stuck with me before is that the followers of nurgle are typically immune to pain which i thought was i I don't know if that ever like trickled into my understanding 
Um, but especially with the whole age of chaos and the age of myth and all these battles and this war-torn right realms, the idea of being immured to pain or immune to pain, something that I could see being rather attractive to many people who live in the realms. Um, and also the feeling that, especially in a grimdark universe, um, that Warhammer tends to be that there is no hope, but in knowing that there's no hope, that that is hopeful, knowing that there's nothing you can do. And so therefore you can do anything because nothing will make a difference. So it, it just, it very much seemed almost like not to cast aspersions, but like a little bit like emo or just like very accepting of everything that was going on. And if all I can do is just make sure that I don't feel it, then I'm doing good, right? Like that was definitely a feeling that I got from the reading of this battle tome at the beginning. And the mortal followers of Nurgle are nihilists is what I, I started to feel. And it's like, oh, okay, nothing matters. So therefore, we'll just spread disease, I guess. <laughs> Classic uh, progression, right? Nothing matters. It's an easy logical jump from one to the other, I, I, I feel. Um, I... I thought it was uh, interesting that, like, Nurgle's one of the only chaos guys, if not the only chaos guys, who, who, who at least sort of presents the idea that, like, he's, he's there to, like, help you. And I guess other, the other guys are, like, maybe have this veneer of, of that sort of altruistic, but, it, I mean, we know deep down that's not true. But, like, um, at this point, it, it, it he was seemed very convincing uh, in sort of the early days of the Age of Mist where, you know, he's getting he's seeding that corruption out there that like he's there to like step in and and take the spot of those gods who aren't answering your call you know if you're you're in despair or something like that that oh sure your god's not answering your call but i'm, I'm here to help um and i think that is a uniquely uh nurgle thing and that sort of the uh, stands out in those early days that you could see why someone back then who didn't know who nurgle was and didn't know what would happen if you were to sort of fall to nurgle if you if you heard that whisper in your ear i can see why you would um be inclined to at least listen right to give to give it a an audience in some way. Well, and I, I think that was the part that really struck me was that corn is about bringing joy to the follower, right? By bringing death to others, by taking their skulls. Um, Slanesh is very much about bringing joy to the follower by bringing pain to others. And Zinch is very much about bringing joy to the follower by reveling in the machinations of Zinch, right? But Nurgle is far more about bringing joy to those outside of the followers by knowing that they are despairing because hope in and of itself is something that is wrong. And anyone who has hope has automatically failed to understand what's going on in the universe. Right. And to fit in with Phil's nihilist statement, it was, yeah, it struck me more this time than reading it in previous times. So I loved it. Um, all right, I feel like let's hop let's hop back onto our timeline though. Um, we can spend we can spend more time talking about the themes in the book in a bit. But um, so uh, we've talked about how uh, Nurgle this, this is how he's sort of approaching the mortal realms. He's 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 um, taking a gentle touch to it initially until the age of chaos hits the the portals to the um, realm of chaos open wide open and uh, all 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 brands of chaos uh, followers you know or demons and things start start flowing in let's hop into the exciting time that is the age of, age of chaos um, did any stories or thoughts or, or things sort of jump out at you guys um, in this time period that you wanted to talk about there's a story the clock strikes seven which I enjoyed um, some because it uh, it looked into we see a ton a ton a ton of uh, Nurgle in Gyran 
Uh, and so anytime that you get a story that is not set in Gairan for uh, Nurgle is, is kind of uh, a little refreshing. Uh, and this is, uh, talks about a, a shamanic city state of Multania, um, which is, uh, uh, there's this, you know, awesome clock tower there. This, uh, guys designed it. Uh, it is, um, really impressive, whatever. Um, uh, but we don't know that cause in, in, uh, present day there is, uh, these horrors assailing the city and, uh, uh, the, their city leaders are suspecting chaos and they uncover a Zinchian cult and put that down like, all right, we got it but not quite. Uh, and it's that classic thing where like, uh, there's some researcher who thinks like maybe there's still something up and figures out the answer. And it was, uh, unfortunately 777 years prior that clock tower, uh, as it was getting finished, the, um, designer who is, who is, uh, worried about it falling, you know, becoming nothing. One day would crumble, uh, made a deal. He, he called, I said, this is my finest work and, uh, I want it to be immortal, forever he throws himself in the cogtooth gears as a sacrifice for it uh and uh essentially uh consecrates it to nurgle and city falls into ruin and the only thing left standing is this sweet sweet clock tower tick 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 very ominous i feel like there's not that i feel like that's not the only like clock motif that comes up in this book as well which i never really associated with nurgle um one of the stories i really liked um, is called The Claim of Horticulus. Uh, we could probably talk about Horticulus Slimex later. He's a named character. He rides a giant snail. But basically, he leads a, a lot of his um, uh, Nurgle demons uh, sort of on this in, invasion or this, this strike force into um, the, this area of Gairan called uh, Kurnathiel. I, I had to look it up to make sure I got it right. And why it's interesting is because basically what he does is ends up um, infecting the prey or like the hunties of this race of hunters, this Kurnoth hunter force. Um, basically, this is their stronghold or where they come from. Uh, and in corrupting the their the things that they hunt, they ended up sort of infecting and sort of uh, invading and wiping out a whole bunch of uh, the Kurnothi people. And in doing so, also end up shattering the god Kurnoth, um, who is this god of, you know, god of the hunt who... Um, sort of is a callback in some ways to the old world as well. Um, and so here we, we get uh, sort of an explanation as to why Kurnoth isn't around and kicking, despite the fact that there are a few of his followers still sort of left in the world that we sort of see in models, the Kurnoth hunters and the, um, you know, the Kurnoth uh, uh, um, underworld's warband. But it's uh, Horticulus is the one who essentially through his, his schemes uh, wiped him out. Uh, and in doing so, also transformed this continent that used to be called Iridia. Um, he sort of opens up these festering gates to uh, the Garden of Nurgle, and it's transformed into Invidia, which ends up being this like major stronghold um, of these plague legions. And so it's kind of a twofold interesting story in that we see the in, the um, creation of Invidia, which it comes up a lot. Like it's a very it's it's uh, the seed of a lot of Nurgle's power in Gairan, but then also it explains uh, where Kurnoth went. Um, Am I? I don't know if anyone because we don't have any of the uh, Dogs of War cry guys on. But is uh, Nvidia where the uh, <laughs> where the Splintered Fang comes from? Am I making that up? Or Ooh, I, I don't I know. I think you're right. Uh, I think Nvidia sounds is correct. What I did enjoy about the story though was that um, it was Kurnoth the hunter versus Horticulus the farmer, and so it kind of emulated how hunter and gatherers were wiped out by civilization. Mm -hmm. By right, right? right. Like I, I appreciated that little. 
kind of narrative that they put in there. So um, I really liked uh, Defiled Chivalry. I was re-listening to uh, Nagash, the Undying King, at the prompting of Klaus M.A., and I kept listening to it and was really enjoying the, the stories of the Order of the Fly uh, by Josh Reynolds. And here they are definitely within the battle tome and becoming very much canon, uh, as well as the Lady of Cankerwall as well and Blightmaster Wolgus. Um, and I, I really appreciated that because those are characters that we have talked about that we really enjoyed. And um, they are definitely absolutely canon at this point. And it was just a cool little um, summary of where they come from and what they do. Uh, so that was super cool. Yeah, we were talking about, or I mean, I, I think I brought up that maybe the Stormcast Eternals book. I don't know when they started like really calling out the, like the novel, like the non-studio based books. So, you know, the Black Library books in these battle tomes. And maybe they've been doing it for a long time and I just never noticed. But I'm now just realizing that like a lot of these little stories are going to, are callbacks to the stories that we read and that we've talked about. And it's great to sort of see that connection between like you always knew it was there, but now to actually sort of see it cemented in these um, battle tones, I think is great. Plus maybe it will inspire someone who hasn't read those novels to want to go and pick them up and go back and read them because they're some good stuff. Or instead, maybe they don't want to read the novels. Maybe they just want to listen to our episodes. Huh? huh? Okay. <laughs> so if you like the order of the fly, go back and listen to Nagash, the undying King. We do a lot of discussion about that. And, yeah. And I do really love that book. It's one of my favorite di- dissections of death as well as Nurgle. So that's super cool. One of Josh Reynolds' best. Um, right, Cause then I'll, I'll, I'll point out and kind of what I, I believe maybe Davey had brought it up before, but uh, um, a lot of what's being done in this, in the age of chaos is Nurgle making it a point to do his best to take over the realm of Gyran. Yeah, it was Davey who'd brought up that he, he generally is sort of spending a lot, a lot of the stories is it's him spending a lot of time in Gyran because he's feels especially drawn to this realm in the same way that Korn was especially drawn to Akshi and Zinch was especially drawn to Shaman. Um, so this was his sort of playground and um, he ended up, he, he, his forces ended up taking wide swaths of it and sort of driving all, you know, all the residents uh, like back or to, to the brink of distinction, like we saw with the Karnathi and then um, a lot of the Sylvaneth are driven back. Ilarial was forced into like hibernation. And so um, that really is a lot of the, basically the theme, right, of the Age of Chaos for Nurgle is the um, invasion of Gyran, in case that wasn't clear. But uh, it wasn't long, or, you know, it probably felt long to the people who lived in the moral realms. But as far as this timeline goes, it wasn't long until a new age arose, a new age uh, struck. And um, this through... I don't try to be flowery about it. There's no need to beat around the bush. The Stormcast arrived. Lightning bolt, lightning bolt, lightning bolts. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the age, yeah, the age of uh, Sigmar uh, begins. Um, and one of the hallmark sort of mm, events kicking off that age of Sigmar, especially in Gyran, especially against the forces of Nurgle, is the, those realm gate wars, right? Yeah. Um, did any stories or anything uh, in this in this age or time frame jump out at you guys that you want to talk about? Don't mind if I do, Aaron. <laughs> I mean, I think I think as we saw in the last set of stories, a lot of this is re rehashing is sort of just a reminder of like, here's the previous stories that we've had about these places. And a lot of these are fairly central stories to some of the box sets that we've had before. So like the Blight War recovers that box set where we have Neve Black Talon fighting Horticulus. And, um, you know, a lot of this is just saying like, Yep, here's a reminder of the stuff that was going on. Uh, 
I know because someone was asking about it uh, earlier in some of our listener questions that Torglug is mentioned here, um, fighting in Gairan against uh, the Stormcast. Um, so there's first mention of him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll I'll call it just so we can get a name in there. So Darth Alec, one of his many yep. questions. Thank you, Darth Alec, for indulging me. I appreciate it. But he does ask, uh, does Torglug slash Tornus get mentioned? Um and that he does. Uh, in fact, it, one of the stories that we are familiar with that it calls out here is sort of the despoiling of the Athelweird. Um, if you want to get the nitty gritty details of that, I, I'm sure it was covered in one of the early Moral Realms episodes with Davy and uh, Eric and Mal. I think I'm sure Mal they covered it back then. At that point, yep. yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so he gets a shout out in that little story because obviously he was he was involved there. But Tor- or Tornus also gets a little breakout box uh, in you know some subsequent pages where it just sort of gives a little bit of a spiel about who he is. And um, I'm sorry, I stole it from you, Philly. I could have let you keep going. No, you're doing good. All right. No, no well, need to stop. Well, then, <laughs> uh, so in this breakout box, um, it does call, and it's something that I hadn't known before, that it mentions that if Ner- Nurgle has a, has a mind to, uh, if he ever gets his hands on Tornus again, he's not going to be so generous with his gifts this time. So obviously uh, Tornus is a, a thorn in Nurgle's side because these were gifts freely given and basically Nur- Nurgle got you know, spat in his face, which I wonder if maybe nor- normally Nurgle would like that, but in this particular instance, he does not. Um, and <laughs> yeah. uh, he, uh, he's going to hold a grudge. Very it, it, Dwarden-like, he will hold a grudge against Tornus. Well, the interesting thing to me was that it, in, in the box out too, it talks about how he was once a fervent worshiper of the Everqueen. Which means that he started out as a worshiper of Valeriel, right? And then he was put into this pit for 77 days and turned into the devotee of Nurgle and turned into a blight lord, essentially, right? And then he was mm-hmm. taken by the um by the hammer, right? Um, by Sigmar's hammer. And there was that speck of nobility that allowed him to be reforged into a Stormcast Eternal. That means that he went from Malariel to Nurgle to Sigmar. So this is the third god that he's worshiping. And three is also one of the numbers of Nurgle's symbol. That guy gets so around. Kind of cool. <laughs> I think that's potentially interesting as well because I don't know. I can't think of any other examples of where we have a chaos follower who's sort of redeemed and brought mm-hmm. back to being a worshiper of Sigmar. So yeah, uh, kind of wonder if they're going to do that anymore or if he's going to be a special sort of unique individual there listening to some previous uh story phase content i I know they make reference to like a whole group right like doesn't uh 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 tornus the redeemed leads a a group of these uh but i don't are any others called out by name or is he the only one that we actually know the story to we just know that there's others but he's the only one we first of all oh you listen to our episodes that's <laughs> thanks man uh second of all um no i don't i don't think anyone's called out by name they just mentioned that he himself is leading this regiment of of um like sort of reclaimed um mm-hmm. chaos followers yeah and uh yeah uh and what they're doing is they're taking the jobs that like some of the other stormcast won't do and i mm. if i remember correctly and this is literally like two episodes ago oh, uh, but i think they're going into um places where uh Bellicor's, like cursed skies are um mm-hmm. to you know rescue relics and you know re consecrate different like landscapes and things um but like the other stormcasts are too scared to do it because they're worried they're gonna get trapped in the skies but these dudes not not so scared because uh, mm-hmm. they because they they know 
um, I don't know, they know what they're up against, I guess, or they, they've seen it before. So maybe they're less scared because ah, we fall into, we fall into chaos <laughs> once before. It's no big deal. You, you recall correctly, Aaron. Uh, also, uh, it's interesting that there's more of a story to this than just like, oh, he was reforged and now he's leading these other reforged um, in this Black Library novels, if I remember correctly. He was actually a reforged within a completely non-chaos reforged regiment. And people used to view him with suspicion and with um, envy or just they didn't think he was actually going to continue to be a good person, as it were. Well, it's a it's a uh, ongoing plot point of the Plague Garden novel um, where it's yeah, that's pretty early in his reforging at that time. And uh, and a whole bunch of Hallowed Knights go into the Plague the plague gods uh realm there going to the garden of nurgle explicitly um and so that i mean that's kind of a cool back and forth there i I enjoy that uh notably that story is not mentioned here uh they talk about how uh gardas made it into uh eventually fought his way to freedom and survived uh because he he went in on his own at one point then managed to fight his way clear they don't mention him returning to it. Um, and uh, that's quite an epic novel. Um, and I'm not saying it's not canon, but uh, they, they don't uh, make much reference to it. And I, I think I may have even seen somewhere, although I can't pin it down, where they they talk about Gardas being the only one to have done it. I'm like, well, no, that's not true. There's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's him and his six or seven best buddies or, you know, whatever they went through. So, um, let me just I'll hop in real quick, just so I can get another question. So Darth Alec also asked about Plague Garden. And so while we're at talking about his questions, let's bring this one up too. He asked, uh, do the Hallowed Knights books, especially Plague Garden, get any sort of tie in? And so Davey's right. The Plague Garden story doesn't make an appearance here, but it does mention Gardas's first trip in and out of the garden. Um, and that's yet another uh, a, uh, we've, we've got a twofer here. Another example of uh, a grudge that Nurgle is holding against an individual, or in this case, an entire, uh, what would you, a storm host, basically, is he has a particular uh, grudge against the Hallowed Knights and Gardas specifically for um, sort of uh, making a mockery of the, the garden of Nurgle. I mean, popping in not once, but twice and, and escaping to tell the tale about it. So, Well, that's something... I don't know if we've been specific about is that Nurgle prides himself on being able to disable and kill those with his diseases, right? And it's not that specifically Gardas went into the Garden of Nurgle and escaped. It was specifically that he went into the Garden of Nurgle and did not succumb to his sickness, right? Um, and and that's that's actually the offensive part to Nurgle is that he has been given the gifts of sickness and he has rejected them. That is the offensive thing to Nurgle. How dare he? He's got some nerve, Gardas. Be cool. And especially with that sweet superhero pose, like he's just taunting him. <laughs> okay. I will say there's a story here called uh, Placebo. Uh, the story itself was not, it was just kind of a recounting some stuff that happened during the Realmgate Wars. Um, and mentioned some special characters that we know about. Uh, I was a little disappointed because I saw the the heading placebo. I'm like, what an awesome name for like a Nurgle story. <laughs> right? I'm like, oh, I already know this stuff. And I'm not exactly sure why it's called placebo. It's kind of a, a little bit of a bummer. Um, but I did file it away. And like, I need that for some something down the line for Nurgle, Nurgle related. Pretty, 
pretty sweet. Any other early Age of Sigmar type stories or thoughts that you guys want to bring up before we hit basically AOS 2.0? Let's hit that 2.0 magic. Because here we go. All right, soup, uh, the hallmark of AOS, AOS 2.0 is uh, it's, the, it's the, the time of death, basically. It's the time of soul wars, right? And although I feel like maybe we've hit a little bit on how Nurgle is all about that life. He's all about that lifestyle. Um, it's just as much uh, about death as well. It's a, it's a secular nature, right? It's all about cycles with this guy. Um, and he, you can understand how Nurgle specifically uh, would take offense to sort of just a, a lopsided uh, side of that uh, cycle. He, he doesn't just, he, with death needs life and with life needs death. And so uh, the whole point of Soul Wars is that Nagash is trying to just sort of deathify everything, no life to be found. And uh, Nurgle took that personally a little bit. Yeah, I, I like, uh, you know, they talk about him being drawn to the realm of life, you know, because Alariel's got the cycles, there's all this abundant growth. And that's kind of like, they're, if you want to say, uh, two sides of the same coin sort of thing um he's like the corrupted version of that cycle but uh on the flip it's like you said take offense at like the stagnation of death like you you hear the word stagnant used in uh in discussion of nurgle uh but not in the same way as as death which like basically locks the cycle right like you you die and then you just stay there um and then on top of that uh there's this is the first time I've I've seen this specifically, but it talks about some of the followers of Nurgle being kind of outraged that like, man, look what we did to ourselves to like stave off death. Like we look wicked gross now. Like we <laughs> <laughs> we did a lot of nasty stuff to like endure and survive and not have to die. And like look at all these fools that just like died and keep on rocking. Like that's no good. Uh, and so uh, the idea that they're like personally offended by. Uh, ghosts and and such uh i was like oh interesting like i'll i'll uh i like that i like that take on it uh but i like that nurgle is has this kind of opposition to uh both alarial and nagash and their uh their followers absolutely um anybody else have any other thoughts they want to jive on that's not a phrase that it made any sense just no <laughs> yeah I mean, I think it's it's also interesting to note that they, I don't remember exactly which stories it was, but they talk about actually trying to like attack uh, Shaish because of all the stuff that Nagash is doing and how it's disrupting, um, you know, Nurgle's plans to bring his quote unquote life to the mortal realms Um and how difficult it is for them to operate in Shaiish and that like they have this grudge now of being like, we want to be able to corrupt that realm specifically because they were able to resist so heavily. Um, and, and so it goes back again to this like notion that it's insulting that anything would sort of reject the blessings and gifts of Nurgle. I'm going to have to apologize. I'm going to go back to 1.0 quickly just to oh, man. shout out uh, uh, the gifts from above story uh, because it talks about the droning guard descend on the sulfur swamps of Batar. And that ties into the Cruel Boys battle tome where it talks about there's a Cruel Boys tribe that's infected by Nurgle. And mm. this is where we see the other side of the coin. Um, because, and especially because there's a specific hobbyist that's done this Nurgle orc combination. It's nice to see that make it into the lore 
and also to see just that the orcs are also susceptible to Nurgle, which is something that we haven't seen a lot of. Um, so I thought that was cool. So I apologize for rerouting us. No, no worries at all. Fine. If I cared enough about the, if I cared more about the quality of the show, I'd find a way to splice that out and put it in uh, <laughs> uh. that section. But I don't. <laughs> um, I, I like the show. I just don't like it that much. Um, I think uh, a cool part of this this time frame is to sort of um, see how different armies reacted to like major story beats or story events. And so we'll recall when Nagash was about to kick off his Necroquake, there was a wide range of opposition arrayed against him, right? And we talk about how the Stormcast showed up and a lot of their allies showed up um, and a a number of chaos forces had also showed up to prevent it. I mean, basically everybody was against Nagash accomplishing his goal and Nurgle was no exception. And so they had sent Rodigus, who is again, maybe a named character we'll talk about later, but he's a, a named great unclean one with the, uh, his forces at his back to try and stop um, the Necro Quake from firing off. But even he was defeated as, as was everyone else at the time. Um, and so it just goes to show that um, sort of disparate armies or, or uh, enemies can become friends. Friends becomes enemies uh, depending on who the, you know, the big bad of the day is. And so Nurgle was alongside uh, any number of, you know, quote unquote, good guys trying to stop this um, a Necro Quake from going off. But as we all know, they failed along with everybody else and they could not stop it. And after Rodigus had been banished um, to the realm of chaos, he just had to watch from afar while the Necro Quake kicked off. And he um, took that personally. And he took that personally. <laughs> um, so I, I also enjoyed the story of the Plague Tides. Uh, which is Gutrot Spume and his slime fleet, which is the Drowned Men, attacking yep. the Eidenf, and then they infect them, and then they're able to track them by their sickness, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, and it says, diving down within the hollowed-out carcasses of rotting leviathans, Spume and his yeah. kings emerge to trudge along the freezing ocean bed, their God-blessed resilience holding true even at such depths. And bring That's the good war. stuff. That's 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 why we read these stories is for that like like yeah let's go down and like hollowed out maggot ridden big beasts you know well and and later on they mentioned that not only do does the slime fleet have these rotting boats right which would totally work by the terrain feature for the Adeneth but also that they have now captured KO boats as well um, I said skyships yeah or, there's, sorry, there's sky more than just KO skyships but they, they have their own yep. zeppelins as well yeah exactly. I love that, like, just, you know, that conversion opportunity and that, like... Everybody's thing. captured KO ships. <laughs> exactly. I mean, Grats have all kinds of stuff. Well, to build off that a little bit, uh, everybody has ransacked Ideneth Enclaves, too. Like, this is not the first This is not the first time that we've gotten an army getting creative with ways to to get down to the depths to take out, like, an Ideneth Enclave. The one that comes to mind is that the, the Gargans, um, like the Mega Gargans, put ships over their heads, right? And, um, like, ended up just traipsing down to the to the depths. And so, like, uh, you, you can't have a battle tome without including the unique way that that army got down to the to the Deepkin uh, to start, you know, ransacking the place. Um, I mean, so I, yeah, I might I might say like there may be some impetus there because you have a faction that is more cut off than others in the same way like in in the world that was where you had uh, a lot of times you kind of had to like engineer away like oh why would these guys be fighting lizardmen and they they kind of figured it out eventually with you know lizardmen use a portal 
what up, Anion, <laughs> uh, to, to get all across the, the world. But like they, they had to work a little bit to figure out how some factions would get involved. And uh, I think there, there may be a little bit of that at work, you know, where it's easy to say why somebody might be fighting Iron Jaws because Iron Jaws are everywhere and they're always looking for a fight. But how would, how would uh, Deepkin uh, be involved? But, I love it. I can't wait to see how the Fire Slayers are going to fight them because we now know that that yeah. box set's coming. Mm-hmm. So the art looks makes it look like they're on land, which I suppose yeah. is fine. Um, <laughs> but we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Any other uh, time of tribulations, Soul Wars type uh, thoughts you all want to bring up? Uh, only uh, for me, this is a, a small aside. Uh, the swarm that walks mm-hmm. uh, where the two surviving Magath Lords uh it's, it basically talks about how they bring back Bloab Rotspond, who managed to escape from the Realmgate Wars as a single fly when uh, yeah. Tornus, Tornus <laughs> uh, killed him and tried to, you know, burn down all the all the flies. Because Bloab is basically like a big sack of flies, a bunch of, a bunch of flies in a suit uh, that are walking around. In a Bloab suit. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, and, and you know what? Like, it was this, it's this thing where there's these uh, ostensibly mortal heroes that, uh, have come from the world that was and continue to like keep popping up even if they die. Uh, and I was, I was thinking about this, uh, actually on my run today, I was thinking, I was like, well, how is it that these more like, do they, are they born again? What, how exactly does this work? And it was, it was cool just to see like, Oh, well, uh, his, his other two good buddies, um, sacrifice an entire tribe of ogres. And, uh, from that slurry, they have that one fly lands in it and lays its eggs and blow rises once more i I like that little bit of insight of you know here's here's an example of how one of these mortals uh champions is is reborn again so yeah like there was a little thought into that that was fun yeah i agree quote unquote fun yeah i also enjoyed the black oaks story yeah that's Um, a good one so this is where herticulus discovers the acorns of a black oak um which is obviously this like nurgle tree and he can plant it um but he needs to plant it in a in soil tilled with fresh bodies, um, and so he begins to march on fertile ground, the living city, and that was something we we skipped over a little bit. Is that a lot of the beginning of this background talks about how they're specifically going after Dawnbringer Crusades, which is a super fun thing to talk about when we get into AOS three point um, and mm-hmm. it's, it, it's nice to like actually have this tie in and intentional choices. Um, so I, I appreciated that a lot. Yeah. Getting, getting close to that transition, we have the story of the blighted beast and they, they talk about the, the rise of the hordes of destruction and the, you know, rampaging across guy, uh, I mean, both Gyran, but also Gur and just destruction sort of at its Zenith and they, uh, they sort of make this light mention of how like the forces of Magikin will like engage with them and then retreat for a little while. And, and these forces of destruction don't really care. They just go about their business, but they don't realize in their like, uh, zealous destruction rampage that they're now carrying, you know, these contagious diseases across to the rest of the realm to infect, uh, except that they do talk about cruel boys with grot lackeys that are infected that they'll send ahead Super to sweet. weaken their foes, <laughs> yeah. uh, which is pretty dark. Uh, they recognize that they are indeed carrying disease and they're like, yeah, I'll just throw them out in front so they can just infect all of our enemies first. I feel like this was specifically a Phil Kelly insertion into the lore. 
because he wrote an, an entire like expansion to Grotz by putting them in different environments and then making different races for them in White Dwarf back in the day. So I feel like this is just something that he loves is like Grotz just seems super easy to corrupt. And so there used to be desert Grotz and then they would have, uh, or sorry, Noblars. They would have desert Noblars and they would have piggybackers and stuff. He just, he seems to really enjoy these little tiny things that become super interesting lore hooks. So I, I appreciated that a lot. All right, if we're going to talk about the Broken Realms Age of Beasts time frame, we got a lot of questions here, and I would be remiss if we did not ask them. And so, speaking of, so to the Phil uh, blurb that he was just talking about, so Mealhern from the Discord, and actually let me pause for a second, dear listeners. We're going to have a lot of listener questions here in this episode, and if you yourself want to ask questions on the show, I'll tell you how you got to do it. What you got to do is you got to hang out on our Discord channel all the time, Discord server, that is, just constantly, <laughs> perpetually, um, which can be found at themortalrealms.com slash discord. And uh, just wait, fingers on the keyboard, day in and day out, for me to jump in at a moment's notice and say, hey, we're going to be recording at X day. Do you have any questions for us? And then you can rattle off as many questions as you want. Look at Darth Alec. He, he's, he's filled this episode with uh, questions. I'm, I'm told that he he just writes out all his questions, uh, selects all copies, and then just as soon as you post, he just paste, 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 paste. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's not only uh, one way to do it, it is the greatest way to do it. Um, yeah. And uh, the, results, uh, yeah, the results speak for themselves, quite frankly. So you two can be just i i recommend you to be like darth alec um we could all stand to be a little bit more like dark darth alec um uh but we're not talking about darth alec right now we're talking about meal and yes um are the latest storylines dragons or cruel boys or race to the ley lines are they mentioned in this book and as uh phil brought up um the there's that cruel boys sort of deal that they make with Nurgle and, and you know they're corrupting their goblins and so that's one reference to sort of the the newer stuff in this in this book. Um, Paul had mentioned the you were talking about like attacking the the um, Dawnbringer Crusades, right? And so that's another more recent um, uh, blurb there as well. Well, they're also specifically going after the cursed skies as well. They're going after places that are covered by the cursed skies because that makes it easier to grow. Their trees as well, their orchards. Um, so that was a cool, it was a cool, nice little actual tie-in to what's going on right now. I don't remember exactly when it take when they mentioned this, but it's sort of a combination of the uh, seeing how um, Nagash was trying to corrupt the uh, portals into other realms, and then also then the cursed skies, and seeing how oh we can use the these points as you know places of power to weaken the binds between the realms and so then tear a hole in reality to then bring Nurgle's garden into the mortal realms. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a similar, similarly related question uh, from our uh, patron, Klaus M.A. We talked about Klaus earlier. We're bringing him back around. Patron, thank you very much, Klaus. Uh, man, I might have to pause right there and say, hey, listener, if you want to be a patron of this show, man, this is annoying, but here we go. Uh, <laughs> you you're more than welcome to do so. We would greatly appreciate it. And to do so, all you got to do is go to themortalrealms.com slash Patreon or patreon.com slash themortalrealms, whichever you want, your pick, uh, and become a patron there. And if you do so, you get all sorts of, well, a couple of bonuses, a couple of fun things there. Plus, whenever I read your name, I'll preface it with patron. Um, but he asks, uh, what role does the life quake play in the lore of Nurgle? We know that the life quake, again, is the sort of the response that Alariel had to 
uh, sort of the ending of the Necroquake. She herself started pushing the uh, ascendancy of life magic throughout the realms, and it's had, had far-reaching effects, and you'd imagine it would affect uh, the Nurgle forces here. Um, do you guys have any thoughts about how the life quake has affected Nurgle and the mortal realms? Uh, I think there's some mention of him, of, of Nurgle, seeing this life quake, and, you know, like, he gets shaken up by it, but it, in the same way as seeing, like, the cool things that Nagash did uh, to corrupt things and all that. He's like, hold on, like, this is not a bad idea. Like, you can you can kind of spread your influence in this way. So I think take some inspiration for that on, well, what if I leverage the ley lines uh, in this way to, uh, to spread corruption? So uh, that was the interaction I noticed. I don't know if you guys saw something else. I believe they make mention of the the song that's actually spreading the life magic. Uh, it's it's p- like painful to the followers of Nurgle, but at the same time, there's like something invigorating about the explosions of life because they thrive on this. I mean, that's the reason they like uh, Gairan in the first place is that they they uh, thrive on life magic um, to a certain extent because they're corrupting it. Um, so you sort of get this weird duality of like, oh, we don't like this, but you know, at the same time, this is kind of our jam too, uh, which I don't know. It's this interesting thing of like somehow they're both death and life, I guess, um, simultaneously, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Very yin and yang, but in this case, life and death at the same time. Um, and, uh, I like the idea that like they're literally trying to bring the garden into the moral realms. Like it, it's mm-hmm. maybe not even connecting per se as as much as it is overlapping. Like dropping the garden into the moral realms and sort of making it an extension, um, which is wild. I guess just to build on that, they kind of talk about like what what happens in the realms as the garden sort of like as the barrier between the chaos realms and the mortal realms weakens, and and it's almost like there's an overlay. It's not like it's a separate sphere or something where these places exist, but it's like this constant existence, just almost in like a shadow realm, just beyond visible, you know, sight or whatever. And, and they make mention of a couple different stories, uh, where these places have had the, uh, the barriers weaken. And it's like, Hey, all of a sudden you can see these weird, like rotting trees and things start to show up. And, uh, like, a Nurgle fortress that's you can't quite make it out, but it's like there in the distance, and they like in the haze of the flies, you can see it there in the distance. It's kind of this weird idea of like the chaos realms are always there, you just can't see it. That's something I don't think I've seen talked about quite like this before. Ironically enough, another place I've seen it talked about is at length in our Discord uh, just a few days ago. I feel like a lot of people were just, like, there's this a big conversation that folks were just having about um, what the nature of the realm of chaos and how it relates to the mortal realms, and then also how it relates to like the 40k uh, world, which is why I, I tuned it out completely. But um, it, it seemed, I'm sure it was interesting to, to those who, who, who partake. Yeah, yeah. By by folks. By folks, you mean uh, Paul and Kagan. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they went on. I got on, and early on, I was like, "Oh, I gotta jump in." Like, I, I was, I was catching up a little bit. I'm like, "I gotta jump in on this." Yeah, I gotta tell Paul how wrong he is. Uh, and then I was like, "Oh my god, it's still going." Oh my god, it's still going. And finally, I'm like, "Oh man, I am like 300 messages behind. Anything I pitch in now is way too far behind." So. Well, was I wrong though? You can tell me now. I, I, I won't. No, totally no, 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 no. 
no, no, no. <laughs> we'll we'll uh, we'll leave that be. I, I think it's I think it's my usual uh, uh, objection when you use hyperbole and absolutes. Uh, so, <laughs> so literally every that time a, I'm speaking. <laughs> yeah, make make it a make it my blanket objection to uh, something that you're saying. Sounds Just, good. Whenever you're saying, imagine I'm I'm saying, hey, but <laughs> yes, absolutes and not yes hyperbole. and, but yes, yeah. but um, yeah. Uh, Darth Alcott had another question. Like I said, he's got a lot of questions in this one. Uh, he asked, um, "Does the book play off any of the Broken Realms events, uh, several of which were in Gyran? Uh Y'all got, y'all got any feedback for Darth Alec there?" I don't know. Uh, I didn't. I didn't feel like a, a big playoff. I mean, like some of the stuff we already talked about, where um, you know, as, as things are happening, or you know, it, it makes mention of them. Uh, I don't know. It wasn't my impression that we learned new things that spun off of that, but talks about uh, uh, Rodbringer strongholds that, or Magakin strongholds that had uh, just barely survived the uh, onslaught of Nagash's necroquake, uh, and then getting rocked by. Um, Kragnos and, and his uh, so some of them falling that might not have otherwise and such um, but I, I, nothing jumped out to me as like hey here was a big Broken Realms thing um, anybody else catch something I missed the one yeah. that jumped out at me was it does it, there's the uh, NVIDIA def- defense uh, story which yeah. it was, was specifically in Broken Realms which was um, it was that little bit little story from I think it was Techless where Manfred was sent out to um Guy ran to start corrupting a bunch of realm gates and they were going to sink them into these like mini necroquake, like or mini shyish nadirs or something like that. But he was defeated mainly because he, he wanted to be defeated um, by quote unquote, the combined forces of Nurgle and Sylvaneth and that they weren't necessarily fighting together, but they had common cause to drive um, Manfred and his forces out of Gyran. And what I, the one thing I didn't know was that uh, Nurgle thought it was funny, essentially, that like the Sylvaneth were sort of forced to work alongside him oh, and in sort yeah. of this makeshift like alliance, again, very loosely defined as an alliance. And so much so that uh, as this gesture of goodwill, he released uh, a number of Sylvaneth prisoners. Like, oh, hey, look, I mean, I'll release some of my oh. hostages. But the prisoners he released were so like uh, just diseased or you know just um, corrupted that in doing so it actually served as a demoralizing gesture to the Sylvaneth and actually made them worse off than when they started Uh, so um, that's just sort of how Nurgle operates I I missed that one I enjoyed that it's pretty good yeah that's pretty pretty delightful Um, I think is is worth making an aside that they they make a big point in this book about talking about how Nurgle's not just a like master of physical corruption, but he tries to break people's spirit. It's like this idea of hopelessness is a major component of the forces of Nurgle, it seems, um, which is not something that I would have thought of previously. Uh, but they they definitely drive that home to say like, yep, yep, everybody who's being corrupted and fought by Nurgle, like the idea is that eventually you'll get to this point where you just give up completely. Yeah, no, I agree. And and I think they, I like how they have to, not have to, but like how they have to sort of make these chaos gods multifaceted. Like it's not enough to just be that physical corruption, but that they're more interesting if you can give them layers and mm-hmm. there's another word for facet. Um, and so it, it just is one more thing to sort of ascribe to this, to this God, which I think it really fleshes him out in a weird uh, flesh colored way. Yeah. <laughs> All right, because I got another question for you guys. Get ready for it. Uh, It's another patron question from uh, an individual called Lignum. 
Lignum. They ask, uh, I would love to hear your speculations about the little blurb uh, quote, something rotten in Gyra on page 19. I don't know why I included the page 19 thing, but it's a quote, so I had to. Um, they are referencing uh, one of my favorite stories in here. There is this uh, lady, N- Nadian Greenspur, who is who you all know. Everybody knows. She's the matriarch Gyranus yeah, of, of Hammerhall. So uh, if I understand correctly, that's the head honcho of the Gyran side of Hammerhall. Uh, so basically, she believes that um, the diseases that are racking her side of the city, which I didn't know existed until now, but apparently they do. Um, there's more to it. There's something, some, there's something underlying it. She need, there's cause for concern because there's all these diseases, uh, um, spreading through Hammerhall Gyra. Um, but the other side of the city, Hammerhall Aksha, uh, doesn't necessarily seem to care because it seems like they're driven by <laughs> capitalism, I guess, just to sum it yeah. up. Um, uh, so she's trying to get the others, uh, the Aksha side to, you know, come to her aid or, you know, it, it, she's trying to convince them that something's, something's up on her side of the city, but to no, to no avail. Uh, it's soon thereafter or in the midst of this, that she's beset by weird, strange occurrences. Like, um, uh, this was another clock motif, right? I'm trying, I didn't is. write it down, but there's a, so she has a masterwork canonic timepiece that stops each night at the stroke of seven and slime leaks from her quill and her sleep is disturbed by the faint, but endless buzzing of flies. Sure. Irregular occurrences to say the least, you know, common, common thing. <laughs> well, maybe in Gyra, quite possibly, or Gyran. Um, but she's going to, she vows she's going to get to the bottom of it, bottom of it, despite the feeling of being watched. Spooky guys. Um, I don't know why, because this book is full of different stories like this, right? Of different Which places and different this? characters. This is Hammerhall Gyra. Uh, oh, I don't know I why, don't, but some... I have the answer to that, actually. Okay, tell me. What's that? Um, I need to bring it up quick. It's one of the three uh, Magaflords, actually. They discuss it later on. Oh, do that. I knew there was another example. But while you're looking it up, I'll point up that I think of all the, the little blurbs in this book, I feel like this is the one that'll get revisited. Like, I feel like this yeah. is the one that's a hint to a future thing. Well, especially since it's mentioned twice. Yes, exactly right. Once is off the cuff, but twice is like there's a there's a there's yeah. never a pattern, guys. There's two, never a pattern, but sometimes two points there's a pattern. Make a line. <laughs> <laughs> there's your math. There's your geometry lesson. There you go. Hey. Uh, his so since being slain by Tornus, the redeemed during the Realmgate War is reduced to merely a single fly before slowly regenerating. Bloeb has sought vengeance on the Stormcast at Journals of the Hallowed Knights. His insect kin have already infiltrated the Stormhost stronghold in Hall, Gyra, spreading disease and weakening the defenses mm. in preparation for the greater swarms. Yeah, there That's it is. It. Thank you very much for finding that for me. I was... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to search in. Well, maybe maybe this is we we give Excelsis a bit of a breather. <laughs> but I, th- I, I want to I want to see where they 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 go with this. I, I I feel like it's been a bit since we've spent some time in Hammerhall. There was the shadows under Ham- Hammerhall. There was that little novella in Hammerhall. It's such a like a major metropolis that it's just ripe for stories to be. Uh, to take place there and for us to spend more time there uh in the stormcast battle tome they, they spend a little bit of time talking about the what's his face from the hammers of sigmar the lord commander and like there's a little blurb about Hammerhall there too so i feel like we're getting bits and pieces of Hammerhall uh breadcrumbs i want to i want to see the the whole the whole sandwich the whole Hammerhall sandwich uh come up so that's my scribe mm. yeah i think that would be fun i mean it would be similar to some of the more like long-term machination type stories from chaos that we've seen uh, usually from Zinch, but um, I think seeing something that's like this slow drip uh, sort of mystery of corruption could probably be an equally interesting story and something that they probably don't do enough with um, Nurgle, despite the fact that disease should be like this sort of slow, inevitable grind. But 
it's usually like, and then all of a sudden this plague just rapidly spreads through a, a place and it's all dead in like a matter of days. Like usually seven days. Too soon. Hmm, fair. <laughs> also, like we held off on doing a neural story or battle tome as long as we could. <laughs> we, we're going to have to come to terms with, with the state of the world one of these days. <laughs> too real, Aaron. Now, now, Aaron, you're too real. Any other... Uh, let's say any other um, AOS 3.0 stories or thoughts you want to talk about? Any other just history timeline things you guys want to chat about? Because we're getting towards the end here. Yeah, I think I think that gets us to the end. I mean, the only other thing is they just just leave us off here talking about how they are trying to corrupt Sigmarite's strong points, which Paul already mentioned. But they make specific specific reference to the ley lines as being important that those uh, cities are being built on top of, which goes back to the desire to spread corruption at these weak points uh, in the binding of the realms, which has become a common sort of theme, I guess, for AOS uh, Broken Realms and then 3.0. Yeah, yeah. In the same way that like 2.0 is all about like souls, right? Like there's a lot yeah. of soul games going on here. It's more like uh, places of power and ley lines and things of that nature, which I feel like is ripe for Seraphon introduction. Finally right, found it. Oh boy. <laughs> Finally, go. the Kragnos mention in the Blighted. Tell me about it. Uh, it talks about how they were able to withstand the Necroquake, but under Kragnos, uh, the deity styles himself as the end of empires. Its followers do not care whom they trample. Megakin fortresses that only just withstood the undead are assailed again by the hordes. Many fall, even Plague Spire, one of Garan's mightiest Nergwite citadels, has its outer walls brought down by Grot Sappers, which is a cool idea, uh, with Snow Sign of the Siege debating anytime soon. Um, and so it talks about how they don't actually have much to fight against destruction with because they're all about withstanding, but destruction is all about fury. And so those two are actually kind of a little bit diametrically opposed because they can't withstand the fury of the destruction right now. It's tricky. Very few people can at this point, I believe. Weather yep. the storm as best you can. Um, all right, so uh, let's talk about the faction and how they exist at home when they're at rest, right? Let's bring it back uh, to the home. I can't think of another word for home. Um, we've been talking about the Garden of Nurgle and how they want to bring it into the moral realms. Um, does anybody want to describe even just a little bit as to what the Garden of Nurgle is even, what it's even like? Uh, just, it's got to have, there's some details in this in this book. Let's share it with uh, the, the listeners. Um, what struck you guys about the Garden of Nurgle? Uh, what struck me is that it was a lot like the Sylvaneth jungle, but more poisonous, more deadly. And they, they described it at one point as a a steaming jungle, but that's usually something that's associated with Seraphon, but with more disease functionally, right? Which I was like, hey, okay, I kind of buy it. But it wasn't like, oh, I totally understand what this is right now. It was more of like, okay, this is a facsimile of something we already know. Hmm, right on. Anybody else? Yeah, I mean, it's... It's like this constantly sort of evolving, growing, but diseased, sort of uh, stagnant pools of filth and bugs and uh, just sort of everything that you could kind of associate with the neural models, but just like tenfold inside or maybe even sevenfold sevenfold i was uh, just gonna say in, inside inside his realm um but yeah i mean like it it's not 
anything like super specific. It's just like, uh, you know, it's, it's like, okay, there's these plants, but they're like sort of wilting and like covered in pus and gross. And, uh, and then like there's buildings, but they're like falling apart and somehow rotten, but still standing. And it's like, okay, so you're sort of in this state of decay all the time somehow without like ever completely falling apart, which I guess maybe is part of the cycle, but that kind of feels sort of stagnant to me, not in cycle, but um, there is only like two pages on this. So it's not exactly like they go into great detail. <laughs> there are two things that yeah, I'll bring up my two things then guys. Get ready. One, um, I like that there's a giant mansion somewhere in this uh, in this the garden, Black Mance. yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, which is Nurgle's uh, his his home home base uh, essentially, and um, he's constantly he's got this big old cauldron in like a basement or something because that's where cauldrons belong, uh, and he's constantly doing experiments in his cauldron, um, coming up with new diseases and stuff. He's like a mad scientist, yeah. with, with cauldron, yeah, um, the pox fulcrum. That's yeah, a yeah. cool thing they talked about before, and it, it, it's a nice little touch for sure. Well, tell, tell I me mean, if you want to talk, lay it on us, describe it if you will. Pax Fulcrum is the is the uh, is a being that is caged uh, and has the ability to resist uh, the like that ability to heal and then um, you know survive these things. So Pax Fulcrum, uh, given his or her uh, ability to regenerate is a great subject to test his um, diseases out on. And uh, well, and here's another thing you may or may not remember, uh, Paul, is that uh, the end times we discovered that Pox Fulcrum was Shalia, uh, Ooh, the goddess of healing. Yes, right. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. I don't know if that remains canon in the age of Sigmar here, but yep, uh, they, they mentioned is like some, it, it, I think it says like uh, it's it's the thing they often do with when they refer to stuff from the world that was like some people say it was or whatever, and those people it might even be this on thing. the Mortal Realms podcast, yeah, and they're named Davy. <laughs> I think they also make mention of how the Pox Fulcrum specifically, while it can heal from his diseases, it has to like go through the full uh, gamut of the disease first and then like yeah. as soon as they're about to die they suddenly are just completely cured and so it's like this rapid progression of the disease so he can see everything that it does all the yeah. way through and then is like okay so that's how the disease is going to work and he yeah. so he uses it as this like perfect test subject because he can constantly be giving the pox fulcrum his diseases but then he also makes mention of like how mad he is sometimes because he's like oh that one was great but you healed from it and like, you're not supposed to. <laughs> so it's this sort of constant battle that he must be having with himself where he's like, man, if only that one would have gotten you. So that was uh, another great, the Pox Fulcrum, another uh, great hallmark of the Garden of Nurgle. And the other thing, the only other thing I'd bring up is that like all the other realms in the realm of chaos, uh, it's constantly sort of growing and also being invaded by the other uh, chaos realms as well. And so like the garden expands and, shrinks depending on you know the different you know border battles going on uh in the realm of chaos which is always an interesting sort of dynamic um that we see out there all the while uh horticulous slimex the garden of Nur gardener of nurgle is just grumpily running around pruning feculent nar narmals and you know 
growing yeah. rot apples and other gross things. Yeah, yeah, as you do. Um, any other Gardener Nurgle thoughts? No. Because it's been, a, it's been a hot second since we had a listener question. I think we're due. You guys ready for another one? <laughs> sure. This one Lay comes on. from an individual called Ki. Ki? Ki. Ki. All right. Uh, they ask, is there a hierarchy among Nurgle demons? And what about among all the great unclean ones? Does Horticulus Slimex rank above or below the great unclean ones? Um, so a couple. I can take that one if you want. Oh, yeah, please do. Um, so, yes, they, they laid out. So the demons are organized in plague legions. And at the head of those are the great unclean ones. Um, and then I think there's this implication that some great unclean ones are elevated above even them. Um and uh, tying in with the other part of this question where we talk about Horticulus. Uh, so Bolothrax is an example. He is uh, uh, marked as the, he, he's, he claims, or not Bolothrax, Bul, Bulgothrax? I got close. Bulgothrax. <laughs> However, is, uh, claims ownership of the befouling host. And Bulgothrax, I'm almost positive we saw in the Realm Gate Wars. I think he was called out by name as uh, one of the great unclean ones they encountered there. Uh, but most of the servants consider themselves, or mo most of the uh, members of that host consider themselves to be servants of Horticulus Slimax. So um, I think it's a it's sort of a thing where, um, like you can almost think of it in, a, in military terms, where the great and clean ones have these kind of officers, but uh, and and then uh, Horticulus Slimax is maybe your your top enlisted guy, uh, and maybe in this case like that's the that's the one that people are really following uh in that particular legion so i think uh on paper and for pay grade the the un unclean ones are above uh horticulus but i think uh he commands a level of respect uh that uh goes beyond his particular position i think i covered that one yeah i was gonna say i got nothing to add anything yeah, else right. i think the only other thing that i can think of and i can't find it again is that there's some some mention that like none of the great unclean ones can remember a time without horticulus yep. so i think yeah he's yeah like that's definitely in there one of the first of the um uh, i guess they're i don't remember what they're called the whatever plague the bearers. sort of yeah, the plague bearers yeah in, um, um what was it not Plague Garden, but in the box set, it was specifically called out that he was the first Plague Bearer. Yeah. In this bell tome, it says, people say that he was the first Plague Bearer. So. <laughs> yeah. It, some people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I mean, this it's kind of this interesting idea that he, he has this important position and probably, like David was saying, he, he definitely occupies a higher spot than a leader of Plague Bearers would normally. Mm -hmm. And if that is true, or what we're just saying about sort of he, he predates a lot, or, you know, he's maybe yeah, predates a lot of the plague bearers that like the implication maybe would be that he existed even during the old world. We just never saw him. And uh, mm -hmm. that's interesting to think about. Yeah. Well. He had a lot of things to do in Nurgle's garden. Yeah. yeah. Right. Very busy. busy. Well, I, and it, I, it talks about how he doesn't want to leave Nurgle's garden. He only leaves under extreme duress to go and plant more trees. Right. Yeah. But he'd rather just stay in the garden pruning the whole time. Makes Sounds sense. like my wife. <laughs> <laughs> in a good way. That's a bad thing. That is a that is a fraught comparison. <laughs> <laughs> Carefully redact that statement. Uh 
I think the only other thing that I found interesting is that they have these charts in here to sort of show a visual layout of the organization of the Plague Legions. And there's sort of one great unclean one that's leading the whole legion, but sort of to the side of both. So it's not under in the flow chart. It's not below the great unclean ones, but to the side of them is the beasts of Nurgle and the Nurglings. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if that's just a space thing or if they just mean to suggest that like somehow they don't exist in a hierarchy because they're I don't I think know, it's capricious it. or it. animalistic. Yeah, yeah. They're they're just pets slash buddies slash mascots, right? Yep. Yeah. Because yeah, the beasts of Nurgle are just supposed to be mindless. And the Nurglings are supposed to be tiny embodiments of Nurgle himself. Right. Yeah. So they, they they're not intentionally mindless either. Very much like uh, they're like forces of chaos, little C. Like yep. you're not you don't control them. Like they're sure. sort of outside the 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 scope of hierarchy because like they're 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 there to sow um not destruction because that's a different thing uh <laughs> but their own brand of, brand of chaos um is the way i read that so um we can talk about what sort of motivates them in, in terms of what they're out there trying to do i guess i know we already at length talked about their goals to sort of corrupt the mortal realms and uh corrupt ley lines and so on and so forth but uh let's hop into another question from patron and host you guys he's a host and a patron you can learn you got you folks i'm talking to on the podcast can learn a lot from sever uh co-host of path of story uh he asks are the putrescent hosts am i saying that right putrescent hosts of nurgle still focused on gyran or will we see major players look to the other realms there's been a lot of discussion about gyran but uh, it specifically like, mentions uh, towards the end of the War of Life, uh, well, n- not end, uh, but as as Nurgle uh, encounters some setbacks during the Realmgate Wars, where the Ever Queen slipped from his grasp and he lost his sweet, sweet champion, Tornus, uh, slash Torglug. Uh, it, he used it as kind of a moment of clarity to be like, oh man, like I've got all these sweet gifts and I've been, I there's all these people in other realms that are missing out on them. So. Mm-hmm. Um, back then they, while, while he still is down, down to clown in, uh, uh, Gyran, mm-hmm. um, very much interested in hitting up some of the other realms. Yeah. There also is gut rot spume specifically is in Gur on the ivory coast or the, not the ivory coast. Coast of tusks. Coast of tusks. Exactly. Um, so he specifically called out that he is there. And then one of the mega floors was also going after the orb infernia. Which I thought mm, was really yep. interesting. Um, so that was super cool. Try and turn it into like the floating, uh, I don't know, disease comment or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> A sentence you never thought you'd say. Yeah, right. yeah. I sort of mentioned this earlier, but Rodigus is still trying to uh, get after Shaiish. He feels uh, slighted from being destroyed there. Um, and he wants to flood its bone fields with fetid rains and rejoice <laughs> in the festering paradise that will sprout there. Again, sentences you never thought you'd say. <laughs> <laughs> and, and quote. Yeah, Orgot's demon spew is one going after the Orb Infernia. And then the Brothers Glot are specifically going after Shaman. Um, so, no, it, it, they're definitely spreading it out a bit. Um, I know last time they said, oh, he was focusing too much, but now they're actually showing us 
where specifically he's focusing outside of that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, equal opportunity uh, corruptor. This mm-hmm. this normal. Um, again, sort of looking outwardly, looking uh, beyond the scope of of uh, sort of just the Magikin themselves. We can we can look at how they interact with the other races and, and forces of the moral realms. For instance, uh, what 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 do their allies look like? What's that? What's the ally situation? To wit, Darth Alicasts. Does the book touch on Nurgle's relations to the great horned rat, especially the plague clans? I think there was a little blurb in here about it. Does anybody want to talk about it? They did. I don't remember exactly where it was. Um, Page 34. I got it. There, there was, uh, and it came up in another spot too, where it talked about uh, Nurgle's black mance and how uh, there are some uh, vermin lord corruptors who kind of like slink around and watch jealously at, uh, at what he's up to there and uh it was for me it was uh i i enjoyed seeing this a little more spelled out and i'm not saying it hasn't been in the past but uh if it has been i wasn't paying close enough attention uh and it it talks about here with the in the blurb where they they hold common cause often they're they're both uh looking to spread disease but their their motivations like for for nurgle the disease and contagion is the goal and for uh, the clan's pestilence it's uh, the goal is to pave the way for rats to then uh, kind of thrive in the aftermath um, so they are uh, they're using similar methods to slightly different goals I guess you could say uh, and it it does also mention how you know the great horned rat uh, disparaged as the least of the ruinous powers, um, but you know it's like uh, no press is bad press. Like if you're the least of the ruinous powers, you're still a ruinous power. So yep. go horned rat. You know, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, it kind of laid that out. And, and I'll be honest, like it was one of those things that I felt like um, way back in in uh, previous editions in Warhammer Fantasy, I, I, I felt like it was maybe a little foggy at least to me whether uh whether clan pestilence was inadvertently worshiping nurgle and here it seems pretty explicitly that they are not that they like hey it's a cool dude uh i see you respect nux you're doing good stuff but uh <laughs> game recognized game mm-hmm. exactly that's what i'm looking for but uh we're we're up on something else yeah um just as an aside if you want to read uh, uh interesting insight in terms of what like clans pestilence thinks about the corrupting aspect of the great horned rat you should read the arch postulant of clan morbidus uh short story by david geimer it was very interesting and i think at one point they talked just as it has a quick insight on nurgle too if i remember correctly but at any rate and if, if you don't want to read it you can listen to a pocket realm yeah Boom diggity. my guy uh just as an aside just, i finally just yesterday read the sequel to that because there was a second one and it's actually more of a novella than it is like a short story it's got like cha- it's got like oh. chapters and everything in it um you've been tearing it up reading the uh, uh black library because i've been sitting in the dark uh with only my phone in my hand feeding a baby and there's not much else <laughs> you can do um so do you guys have any other do you have any other allies you want to talk about that? i don't there's not many so Mm-mm. no they don't talk they about don't. beastmen for for Kurgos. they do talk oh yeah about sure. how there are actual nurgle beastmen mm-hmm. um, they don't mm-hmm. get completely slaughtered in this one so uh <laughs> Do they is pest are pestigors named in this book at all? I don't remember. They are not named as pestigors, yeah, but they do so. mention that they can ally with beastmen. I think. Okay. I tell you what, what they've done for Zangors and for Slangors, 
if they could do that for Pestagores, man, that would be wicked cool. I mean, they do have GW models for Pestagores that are plastic. No, I know that. I'm saying, I'm saying yeah. what they've done for these uh, plastic releases, like that would be, that would be something else. This would have been a great opportunity to do so. And the fact that they didn't now means that it's so far away if they do later. Yeah, like, probably at a least a year. Maybe they're the ones that'll take down Hammerhall Gyra. Maybe. Quite, yeah, quite, quite possibly. Um, so to that end, if we if, if there's, there's not too many other allies, then maybe we highlight some of their hallmark enemies. Uh, did, are there any enemies that you guys want to chat about for, for Nurgle, besides everyone? <laughs> everyone. Uh, we've kind of talked in passing, not in more than in passing, uh, but uh, opposed to the Sylvaneth in in the realm of life, opposed to the undead in the realm of death, but also uh, those longstanding chaos ra- rivalries, and these date all the way back to those classic books, uh, uh, Lost in the Damned, Realm of Chaos books, right? What one was Lost in the Damned? What was the other one, Paul? You know. Um. Cannot remember off the top of my head. Yeah, sorry. Realm, Realm of Chaos books, uh, but uh, Nurgle and Zinch are opposed, and I think for Nurgle it's supposed to be like there's these natural cycles to thing, uh, things decay, um, and then Zinch is like we're going to change unpredictably uh, and for <laughs> little reason, and we're going to do what we want, whatever we want, um, and it's it's uh, it's not this kind of entropy and breaking down that Nurgle does. Um, so, uh, I remember even there was a, um, maybe it was a cold hell brass, uh, who used to like walk along and flowers would spring up behind him, you know, cause it was, it was so much change and all that sort of thing. Love that was a Zinchian, yeah, a Zinchian champion. And, uh, uh, hopefully I don't have the name wrong, but something, something like that. Then the, um, uh, Nurgle is like, well, we need to rot those flowers down. So, uh, those two, I buy that uh, opposition between those two chaos powers. I kind of enjoy that. They they do not like each other. And it's uh, mentioned off and on throughout here where uh, a particular champion or a particular, you know, they, they take pleasure in seeing the defeat of a Zinchian um, faction. Agreed. I got nothing to add. Anybody else got anything to add? Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. I mean, there's there's not a lot of specific mentions of direct enemies beyond i mean talking about like <clears throat> the stormcast that he really doesn't doesn't like they're they're mentioned by name and alariel obviously so yeah i guess you like you said listen list uh hallowed knights in there as a particularly hated foe yeah primo primo enemy all right then um let's leave that behind let's let's shift to something new and we can talk about how the lore intersects with the tabletop which is another way of saying hey what's some of our favorite units or or models um for better or worse maybe mostly for worse there's not too much new stuff that's come out alongside uh this battle tome so we can we can dig deep into the range that has existed prior to this and sort of call out uh, any of our favorite units uh, or like hero characters, or so on and so forth. Whether whether you like the way they look, whether you like their lore, uh, or no, those are the only two options: look or lore. That's all you got. Um, and then there's a few listener questions that we'll sprinkle in here too. But I'll give you guys an opportunity to talk about some of your favorites. Um, let's start with Phil. I want to hear Phil's faves. Um, well, for favorite characters, I so I've always been a fan as much as I can be a fan of a faction that is one of my least favorite factions, pretty gross. Um, of gut rot spume. 
Yes. Um, and the drowned men. And I think that's probably a common theme. I think lots of people are fans of these guys. Um, so Gut Rot, for those who don't know, um, he was a mortal uh, sailor and he was attacked by diseased sea monsters, I believe, was basically as far as we got for details. Rot Krakens. Um, yeah, Rot Krakens. And uh, rather than just, you know, be dragged down with his ship and be like, oh, what was me for going down? He's like, no way, man, I'm, I'm fighting to the end. Um, and so Nurgle was entertained by that and uh, gave him his blessing um, to continue that fight and that sort of stayed uh, determination. Um, and so the, now he sails around and he's we talked about it before, but they, you know, they've got these rotten ships and they can sail everywhere. And with, you know, slime that the ships create and they spread disease. And, um, you know, he's actually got like Kraken tentacles now because of Nurgle's blessings and stuff. Sort of little, little strange. It's a little different than the rest of Nurgle. Um, I find him to be fun and it's just very different than a lot of the rest of Nurgle because it's not just diseases. Um, and then the brothers Glot, I think, have always been pretty cool. Can I pause you right there, real quick? In that, if we're going to talk about Gut Rot Spoom, Spoom, sure. I got another question. This Dark oh, Alec, yeah, all right. Asked. There we go. He wants to know what Gut Rot Spoom is up to. And as far as we know, I think currently, so th- that was his backstory. But these days, if I understand correctly, he's currently hunting down orc warlords, sort of in this time of beasts, so the search. Uh, uh, not resurgent, but the ascendancy of sort of these, you know, orc uh, was across the land. Uh, he's hunting down the orc warlords so he can best them and thus bolster his legend. Apparently, that's important to this guy. He's about, he's about that glory, and so yeah. that's what he's up to these days. Darth Alec, back to Phil. Um, we also know, and uh, Paul mentioned this a little bit earlier, that we know that some of the drowned men, which are the uh, Nurgle followers that are underneath. Um, his command um some of them are now in cayman they have captured skyships and they are specifically attacking trade lanes um spreading disease through the air um and they say specifically trying to humiliate their zinshian rivals in Kaman. um so again i call back to that ever-present uh brotherly feud between nurgle and zinch exactly um, you were going to talk about the with the Glotkin, I think? Yeah, Brothers Glot. I just think that they're a cool idea of a character. Um, these triplets that were all blessed by the same Chaos God, but in completely different ways. Um, I do not remember their individual names, but... It's Otto, Ethrak, and Gurk. Gurk, yeah. So the... These are guys who survived from the uh, time that was, um, and they, so we've got one big fighting guy, we've got a sorcerer guy, and then their brother who really got the short stick here. Uh, tall stick. Well, that that's true. That's true. Maybe it's more of like a tree trunk here, but uh, he was so blessed by Nurgle that he's turned into this hulking monstrosity that his other brothers get to ride around on. Um, but it's completely destroyed his mind. So he's just this simpleton monster now that just crushes things. But he he hates the constant bickering back and forth between Otto and Ethrak. Um, 
and uh, they, this is something that Davy had mentioned, and I don't see it right away, but I remember reading it and thinking it was interesting that uh, they're sort of the most favored of Nurgle's mortal followers. And well, their failings have often upset him, uh, and that he said, it says at some point that he sealed them away in jars within the Garden of Nurgle because he was so upset with them that they sort of had to be put in timeout for a while. Uh, <laughs> but he could never like give up on them completely because he loves them so much. And so they stay mad at you. Yeah, there's sort of this idea that he takes these mortal followers and then seals them away magically somehow uh, to sort of bring them back out when he needs them. Um, and in that way, they were able to survive uh, the end times. Correct. Which I yeah. thought was a cool way of saying like, yeah, here's exactly how these n chaos followers of Nurgle made it from mm -hmm. the world that was into uh, the mortal realms. Well, yeah, exactly. And that, and, and like you said, that is a reference to the way that they failed in the old world. But then the Canoptic Jars is kind of interesting because it's very much a Tomb Kings kind of reference from the old world but now being raised and it's, it's an interesting counterpart to the soul pods having a dead vessel to preserve life as opposed to having a live vessel to preserve life. So I thought that was kind of cool. Hey, since you're talking, Paul, what were some of your, what were your uh, favorite, uh, what was your favorite unit uh, in um, this year battle? Well, my favorite is probably like, as far as what they've told me that I didn't know in this battle tome, I really liked the Rotbringer sorcerers specifically because they made a little bit of a call out saying that when they summon endless spells, the endless spells are specifically nurgling, right? So if they summon the massive scythe, the scythe is all rusted and like messed up. And so I thought that was a cool, just little description that I hadn't heard before of how they change the nature of the endless spells by casting them themselves. So I thought that was a cool little lore tidbit. Um, yeah, it is. Yeah. And, and one that like encourages modeling, yes, right? Like, exactly. And those are some of the best tidbit tidbits. Speaking of well. that encourage modeling. Um, so the blessed sons has a little paragraph that I'm just going to read out. Um, the blessed sons reach has spread far beyond the Jade kingdoms. From frozen Kotha in the north of Akshi's Great Parch to the depths of Athanasia in Shaiish, pestilent fortresses and domains mark their conquests. Their Blight Kings form the nobility of these empires, while the mundane populace offer praise to Nurgle and toil at sickly farms or plague engines. These thralls craft the pus-dripping weapons and concoct the hellish maladies the sun's favor, oftentimes using their own emaciated bodies to incubate and nurture diseases." Right, which is kind of standard Nurgle, whatever. But the reason why that's interesting to me is that there is a Blood Bowl team for Nurgle. And in the Blood Bowl team, they have infected AOS Nurgle humans. And so I thought that might be a cool way to reflect the background is to use those AOS human sculpts as plague bearers in a Blessed Sun's army to specifically represent the populace as opposed to the royalty. So I just thought that was a cool little thing that could work well. Yeah. For modeling. I get that. Um, any other units you want to talk about? Um, I, I really like the, the brothers glot. I think that's a cool thing. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I like Horticulus. Horticulus is awesome. I love the idea of a grumpy gardener that just yells at everybody to get off his lawn. No matter <laughs> where in the realms he is, everywhere is his lawn because he's growing <laughs> something everywhere. Like, uh, yeah, that, that just that seems amazing to me. And then he attacks him with scissors. Uh, mm-hmm. Davey, do you got a do you got a favorite favorite unit in this yearbook? Uh, yeah, I like anything joyful. Um, so. Uh, the nurglings are super fun. Um, and to that extent, Morbid X twice born, uh, who is one of the, uh, <laughs> Magath Lords that looks a whole lot like a nurgling. And I believe he like supports nurglings with his rules and such and all that sort of thing. There's a cool blurb in there about, uh, so he was, uh, disfigured by Zinch is his sort of, uh, inciting incident. Um, and, uh, he he declared like well I'm I'm gonna go pledge myself to whoever is gonna hate on Zinch and uh, ended up falling under a big pile of nerglings and they were asking him riddles and as he got each one wrong he would become more like a nergling so that's fun uh, but just just like all the all the happy stuff just because it's it's a it's a fun change from what we often see with chaos so sloppity bile piper um, <laughs> is prancing around. I can't see him without thinking like safety dance playing in the background. <laughs> um, and, uh, and the beast of Nurgle and the, the great unclean one. So that, that's the kind of the cluster that I like are the, the jovial, cheerful, friendly Nurgle units. Is there any other faction or army in the game that like embodies joy like Nurgle does? I can't think, I mean, maybe sometimes some of the goblins are, at least ecstatic possibly but i'm trying there's no like happiness is not a feeling that you get in the moral realms at least as expressed in the model range i can't think of anything else uh, i mean green skins right like the joy of yeah, battle true. or whatever but that's mm-hmm. that's about as close that i can think of off the top of my head or maybe not that's right now. maybe there needs, <laughs> needs to be more joy yeah i guess that yeah i'm seeing some this year too that that gets a little there's ecstasy involved there as well anyways yeah, yeah. um but, but like pure joy just happiness yeah we don't really get that in the war game surprisingly yeah. enough yeah. Ah, funny. <laughs> so it, surprising. I did think it was interesting. This is something I didn't know before, but mentioning that the the hounds of Nurgle, or the that's not what they're called, beasts of Nurgle, beasts of Nurgle, um, that like despondent beasts of Nurgle that have been like rejected by their quote unquote playthings too many times, like go back to the garden and then like pout and get covered in flies and then become the plague flies yeah like yeah i that was in there before but it's a super awesome uh, really oh okay that that lends a whole new like angle and lens through which to view those gross flies real downer yeah it's like these basically just dogs that they're like oh yeah everything's great i want to play with all these you know people and just because of their nature they end up killing them and they're like oh man i'm just so depressed that i can't play with anybody that turn into this will be a fly malicious <laughs> flies that then have to like spread disease in a more direct way yeah plus the whole like you know i am so depressed that i'm gonna form a cocoon and on <laughs> into a more depressing animal yeah yeah um we've all been there yeah <laughs> oh yeah uh it's those wisconsin winters all right so we do have a couple questions um about some other units so kih back to kih 
they want to know. Um, I want. Or I know of one Nurgling who became a great unclean one. Is that common for Nurgle, or are most demons just whatever they are forever? And so I bring that up because we just t- touched on the fact that beasts of Nurgle they can transform. They start as one thing, they become another. They evolve yeah. into these rot flies. Um, do you guys know what he's what they're talking about in terms of the Nurgling who becomes a great unclean one? I don't know what that is. Off the top of my head, I don't. Nope. I've not heard that I story. Feel, I feel like it, it It rang as familiar to me, like I'd seen or heard of it somewhere, but then I did a little look and I couldn't find it, unfortunately. Hmm. Uh, and I did not see it anywhere in this book specifically. Okay. So, can, can when you hear this, please... Uh, to, to actually to prove that you're listening to this, uh, <laughs> please reference um, this Nurgling who turned into a great and clean one, um, and let us know uh, about which you are talking. I'd love to know more. Explain. Yeah, here's here's some homework for me here. Yeah, <laughs> please, <laughs> please do. Uh, it's it's ninety percent of your grade. In terms of other uh, transformations that they mention, um, so the Sloppity Bile Piper, another favorite of Davies, uh, is actually a plague as a plague bearer that is sort of forced into this disease of joviality where like yeah. they they're not like happy pipers that go about like playing these songs because they just like to they're specifically yeah. infected with a disease that makes them and everyone around them like dance until their bones shatter i think is what i remember reading <laughs> um and that when they fail like their punishment is that they're then transformed into the next Slappity Bile Piper's pipes and hat because uh, he's wearing like a jester's cap and stuff. So <laughs> some, some pretty morbid uh, but interesting uh, transformations. Yeah, his, his little puppet thing because in his, in his hand he's got yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like a, <laughs> well, a little head on a stick and that's from the previous one. So I, I found the Nurgling that become a great unclean one. Laid out. Um, it's it's in 40k, but it's a Kugoth the Plague Father. It was once a Nurgling sitting upon the shoulder of Nurgle. So, hmm. um, right. well, that's probably why we hadn't heard about it. 40k reference. Yep. No, everything else you. is completely 40k, but yeah. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> another kick question. It's it, speaking of uh, we were kind of talking about plague bears. Um, they ask, uh, why are plague bears so unfun? Question mark. Especially because we're talking about how fun everybody else is. Um, and my answer to that is, if you were killed by Nurgle's rot, you'd be unfun too. Uh, because all, <laughs> apparently all plague bears are folks who were uh, killed by a particular plague, which is to say Nurgle's uh, rot, and uh, transforms them into plague bears, I guess, when, you know, when they perish. Uh, and they're always counting and they're, they're counting how many diseases they've spread, how many enemies they've slain, um, how many steps they've taken. I don't know. They're counting everything. Um, and, yeah. it, and to that uh, end, everybody knows that math is the most unfun subject in school. And so, uh, again, that's why they're not a hit at parties. Well, Aaron, I don't think we got your favorite units, but I'm presuming that it is plague bears and epidemias, uh, mostly because if there was any units in this book that were down with spreadsheets, I think it was these ones. I'm smiling and nodding. Smiling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, actually, I, I do. I mean, I like I like the fun aspect of it. So, I mean, that's my real answer. But um, there's some, there's something uh, to being the the uh, pushing up the glasses. I'm actually uh, d- downer. Um, yeah. In in the in the party that is um, the Taliban's of Nurgle. So. Yeah, I mean, I think I think these these guys are like unfun because. 
they are tasked with like uh, keeping track of how many people die from each disease. And like they're, they're the, the ones assigned data entry. And not only that, they're assigned data entry while their bosses are the great unclean ones who are like happy go lucky, you know, uh, hard to, hard to keep on track sort of thing. Or some of them are, you know, like, so imagine your, your boss was like, Hey, I know I gave you that like massive spreadsheet to fill out, but, uh, let's all kick off early and, you know, goof <laughs> off a little bit. You, you'd be, you'd be kind of grouchy too. That's yeah. a good perspective. Yeah, absolutely. They are the, uh, the Dilberts of the mortal realm. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Um, all right. Any other units specifically before we keep going down the line? Not here. Nope. Cause I'm going to then ask, I feel we've touched on a, a, a subfaction or two. I think we talked about the the Blessed Sons. What was the what you talk? Which what the was the one you were men. talking about, Paul? Drown. I was talking about the Blessed. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Drown Men and Blessed Sons. Are there any other sub factions that you guys want to uh, chat about or call out? You've already took take taken took and taken the two I wanted to chat about. So, I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I do enjoy the Befouling Host because that's horticulous. Oh um, sure. Talks yeah. about what David was mentioning earlier. The through the great and clean one known as Bulgathrox. Bulgathrox. Excuse me claims over overlordship of the befouling host most consider them the servants of horticulus slimax mm-hmm. so he's the one who plants these plague orchards all over the realms and it specifically calls out that he has targeted places that are marked by bellicor's cursed skies so i like that there are lasting effects of the cursed skies um and that is cool to me and it also talks about how the Stormcast are afraid to fight him because he's fighting underneath the cursed skies, which is a reference back to that whole like Tornus Torglug storyline where he's going in fighting places where other Stormcast won't fight. Each of these hosts has like a, a kind of a signature disease that they spread, and the befouling host spreads uh, lumber something, lumber, lumber lord's lord. woe. Yeah, well, yes. yeah. <laughs> which where uh, people so weird. Uh, people turn in slowly into wood and that wood dissolves into a fetid pulp. Uh, there's a, you guys know this, this condition of lumber lung. That's what it made me think of. No, I don't. There's a, there's a, there's a goofy, well, not, uh, there's, there's a song by a band called Slobberbone <laughs> called Lumber Lung. Which, uh, of course there is. <laughs> which, uh, it's not a bad song. You should check it out. But, uh, uh, I enjoy it. I, most people I think know Lumber Lung, if they know it at all, it's referenced in like a Simpsons episode where Homer's trying to like find things to call in sick, you know, carpal tunnel, no Lumber Lung. No. <laughs> nice. It's like, I think it's something to do with like getting, uh, inhaling too much sawdust or something if you're mm, gonna, yeah you know, i'm gonna have to look up the icd 10 code for that one i'm gonna use that <laughs> test patients <laughs> i've found that with maybe ex- with the exception of the drowned men it's hard to differentiate between some of these sub factions i mean they did their and it's especially when they, when they can differentiate between like the weird diseases that they spread but like yeah generally nurgle I, is is nurgle i agree I, I feel like some of these uh showed their uh, showed their, I don't know, origins a little bit in like, oh, like this is the one that is all about like Nurgle on like uh, plague bears on top of rot flies or yeah. whatever. Like, like, uh, oh, okay. Like I, they, they had to come up with a faction that was that one and 
this is like that. You know what I mean? Like it, it you can almost see the sort of reverse engineering behind it. Mm-hmm. That's a little less fun. Well, and I think the thing that they did well with the Stormcast, which is that they have these different storm hosts, and they're like, this is silver and blue. This is gold and blue, right? Like the the Grand Guard are green and gold, right? The only one that I specifically saw called out was the Drowned Men being clad in lacquered green and vertigris copper. Mm-hmm. And everything else was not given a color scheme. Um, and so I think that was something that was harder to differentiate between the, the difference because it was like, oh, well, this unit is super prevalent, which is kind of interesting. But when it's not led by a character and there's no different color scheme, it's kind of hard to parse those differences out, right? You might still be able to the color scheme, on, uh, color scheme on the painting pages and such. But yeah, it's it's not yeah. laid out right here. Exactly. It's usually where they do that. All right. Well, let's keep going then. How about uh, any other? Um, we've talked on a lot of the special characters. In fact, we might have gotten most of them. Um, but Oosh. I got a question from Darth Alec. Uh, he asks, uh, "There's been a lot of action from Nurgle characters across AOS, and does their lore entries reflect this?" So, given a lot of what we've already been talking about, do you feel like uh, they're well re- represented both in the history of the Mortal Realms, and then is that reflected in this book? I think so. But does anyone disagree? Nope. Definitely not in disagreement. Um, definitely think that they are mentioned specifically and in all of their individual entries there's usually a blurb about like what it is they're currently up to which is nice to know that they they weren't like just hey here's this thing that exists and we're not going to tell you what what their jam is it's like hey here's this person here's where they came from how they exist and then hey this is what they're currently doing just even if it's like a sentence it's enough that you know that they exist in the story and that they matter. Um, yeah. Well, and they've changed since the last battle tome too, right. which is cool. I, I really appreciated that. Yeah, I agree. Um, do you guys have any other characters you want to talk about or, or uh, updates in this book that are worth mentioning? I think we kind of covered them with the 3.0, 2.0, 1.0 thing, at least to my mind, what I remembered was. Yeah. Yeah. By and large, I think one guy who left out was uh, Festus, the leech Lord, He's just important because one of the uh, uh, one of the main, I think it's the filth bringers, which is the uh, contagium, the the uh, mortal uh, organization uh, that is led by um, led by magic users, led by uh, casters, which is unusual for for them. Uh, and they've got seven heads of the thing, and six of those are are uh, rot bringer sorcerers and one seat is kind of reserved for him because they hold him in high esteem. So, um, and he's mentioned there's, there's the goings on that he does here and there, but uh, he's important to it. He's, he's mentioned in a few places as being a mover and shaker. So, Oh yeah. Uh, and, and he specifically is mentioned as having his home base in Gur, which is fairly important right now. So I think that's important to note. His background was actually interesting. I didn't know um, any of this about him. Um, So he was a doctor uh, before he was turned into this, uh, you know, horribly mutated guy. And basically he's, (laughs) he's like this super super good doctor too so he's like actually treating nurgle diseases and nurgle's like noticing him and taking an interest in him specifically 
and continually keeps giving him like harder and harder diseases to deal with. And he eventually gets to the point where he, he can't figure out how to save people anymore. And, uh, he, you know, gets to the point where he's like so broken that he makes this desperate deal to say, okay, I want to know the secrets of all diseases, you know, presumably so that he can cure them all. And, but, but Nurgle, since he's been the one tormenting him, is like, yeah, okay, absolutely. Um, and no then problemo. gives him the, his gifts so that he understands all diseases, but then, of course, completely breaks him. And he then, you know, turns into this monster of, a, of, of who he once was, where he, now his whole deal is to spread these ever uh, more virulent diseases rather than curing them. Yeah, it's actually super tragic. It's the opposite of... Nagash, where he took people who, you know, were, what, what's the word? Uh, was just like petty and et cetera, right? And, and word right, doctors yeah. and made them into the, the Miramorn Banshees as opposed to here where like literally all he's been trying to do is save people. And it it just ended up being the thing that drove him crazy. I was going to ask if this guy was still resin, but it's a he is. aside. I think. <laughs> yep, yeah, I have him. Very old right. uh, character. Uh, There's a lot uh, of breath for him to be re-sculpted, but no, uh, Mengel has actually done yeah awesome. in a Gardas pose. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, just like spreading just... disease in the crater. Oh man, well, Gardas is also a healer, right? It's interesting how one went one way and uh, one went the other. Yeah, mm, interesting. Um, another another question uh, from Ki, and this is I, this is going to be a fun one because his question starts with. I know this is a Tuesday night, so I don't know if this is too late. Okay. I'm always watching. I'm always listening. <laughs> and it is never too late. You just you just submitted this mere minutes, actually more like mere hours ago. But here we go. Uh, he wants to know, <laughs> but which Nurgle characters do you think will drive their story forward over the next year or two? Mm. So we've talked a bunch of, about a bunch of characters up above. Um, do you guys have a feeling in your bones um, about which of these characters are going to be uh, important in the I, near future? I think our... I think our low key scry has been Bloab. If if we think uh, Hammerhall Gyra is a thing, yeah, I agree. And, That's my answer. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually going to go with um, Gutrot since he's mentioned doing the skies thing, and I, I, like I think there's a lot of ability to to do some other sky ships besides just the KO. They've talked mm-hmm. about Grot. They've talked about Orc. They've talked about Nurgle. Now, like there's a lot that they could do with that. So I think that might be somewhere that they're going to go forward with. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, that would be cool. All right, so uh, we've reached the end of sort of the standardized topics. Do you guys have any other points of interest that you want to bring up? The sky's the limit. Doors are blown wide open. Hit me with them. I'm going to quote Phil and say Nurgle's gross. Yeah. Nurgle is gross. For sure. (laughs) Because if you guys don't have any more, we just got just a couple, just a couple more listener questions. Indulge me. All right, Aaron. Great. Um, so <laughs> we don't have a choice, man. We, have to <laughs> we, we are you by being here. Come on, strapped in, buckled up, ready to go. We're getting so close. Him. It's a home stretch, guys. Here it goes. Uh, Kim, he's on a roll. He can't stop. He's got so many questions, and I'm here to answer them. He wants to know: Are the Maggotkin actually more good guys than most of the good guys? I think what he's asking is: This a, are these a better good guys faction than what we consider the good guys in the moral realms of like the Order Grand Alliance? What do you think? If we're talking about Order of the Fly, I would say yes. Oh, Anything else? We weren't, but I, I am now. I would say no. Uh, I'm going to push you to explain what you mean by that. 
So the Order of the Fly are specifically actual knights, but devoted mm-hmm. to people. So they have a code of conduct, and, and they defend the people that are under them, and they owe allegiance to the Lady of Cankerwall. And they, they like, they're probably the most moral characters that we have seen in all of Age of Sigmar. Because excuse me, I just went to like, yeah, all right, I triggered JV. Sorry about that. Walk that back. <laughs> they are they are some of the most clear cut, understandable, predictable characters that we've seen in Age of Sigmar, which I think makes them very much good guys. Because you understand who they are, even if they're acting for a, a bad purpose. Right? You can I don't, understand it. Pred- in no definition of good guy. <laughs> I was just gonna say, I was like, I don't, I don't think your definition and my definition of good guy are the same. At the same time, well, I mean, I had to walk back from what Davey said, which is fair, but like they are in service to their serfs, right? They view themselves as actual knights. Yeah, they view themselves as good people trying to live a, a good purpose, and they have a code of honor. And we don't really have that for most other races. Yeah, but so the flesh eater courts, right? Sure. Are they good yeah, guys? I could see that. <laughs> you, 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 okay, so I've convinced you they're good guys. No, no, I could All see right, that. Got it. I could see that they, they could be viewed as good guys. I think the whole Point wanton, bill. wanton, like actual dismemberment and eating of other people seems to go against their favor, right? Or, yeah. What about the wanton spreading of disease and that's not despair? I mean. I mean I don't, like, I don't wrong know with that? specifically what their intent is, but yeah, I could see that as well. Something like we're, if we're if we're talking intent, then then uh, uh, flesh eater courts all the way, right? Like that's true because they're crazy. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't even know what they're doing. I mean, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say anybody who follows any of the chaos gods can be seen as good guys in the like traditional sense. Um, you're actively destroying people I, w- I will say this. I, this this is what kids probably getting at here uh and, and that is that like it is cool to have a like it, you know it's it's easy to say like this bad guy is skeletor they they want to like yeah rule the world or destroy the world or whatever like some totally unrelatable motivations um but uh to have a villain that has Motivations that you can at least like, you know, relate to in some way. Like, you know, and this is what Paul's getting at is like uh, protecting those underneath them and, you know, having a code of conduct and all that sort of thing. Like that makes them interesting. That makes them fun to put on the tabletop uh, or potentially fun. You know, like it makes them fun to sort of uh, create a story for your own army and that sort of thing rather than just being like, yeah, I don't know. They want to destroy the world. Right. Like, so. Well, um, but I think the other thing is like, going way back to the beginning like talking about how most of what is going on in the age of sigma right now is pain and what they offer is freedom from that pain right and most of what people think is going to happen is hope and they offer freedom from that hope and in a perverted way it, it does make sense and they're offering nothing but the freedom from pain and and the lack of hope right the guys who started though opioid crisis in the real world were probably also offering freedom from pain but i don't think anybody would argue that they're good people 
Yeah. I mean, I think that it's there's real. there's definitely that argument that like, okay, there's there's groups in the mortal realms that all they want is an existence that's not just constant suffering and the sort of lack of pain that Nurgle followers have is an enticing uh you know, idea that it's like, Hey, I, if I just follow these guys, I won't have to suffer anymore. And that, well, that's probably true. (laughs) They're still not doing good things. Uh, I think, I think the better way of doing that would be like, let's, let's cure pain. Let's remove war. Let's, you know, allow the people of the mortal realms to live in peace kind of thing. Uh, Nurgle's definitely, uh, completely against that. Um, sort of requires that people who haven't yet accepted his diseases suffer for some amount of time until they succumb to his diseases completely. Um, so, I, I mean, I guess it, at least in the sense that maybe they're honest about their intentions, they're good guys, whereas like Stormcast uh, kind of <clears throat> have the authoritarian sort of modes that they operate in. And that's also not exactly great. Um, and that is definitely a way to, you know, that's another lens through which this question can be asked. It's like, Hey, the good guys that don't really do good things are maybe the bad guys, better good guys then. And it's sort of like, well, maybe, but I mean, it's a question of like, we're, we're sort of splitting hairs of like, who's, who's the worst, worst, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, and then a lot of it comes to like, how do you value intentions versus, you know, outcomes or and that sort of thing. So, yeah. Yep. Um, it's definitely a question worth considering, and obviously yeah. we we've talked quite a bit about it. So there's there's different ways to look at it, um, but all those other ways are wrong. No, Maggie Kid are not the good guys. <laughs> there are there are real good guys. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think Cities of Sigmar are probably like the most good, good guys, right? Like they want to build what we would consider as like normal civilizations that exist with laws and are free of pain and suffering, mm-hmm. right? Like, and they're never going to just commit mass genocide and be like, well, well, had to wash our hands of these ones. You know, one one person had a disease that we didn't like or whatever. I mean, well, they are. Yeah, they're they not going to commit genocide to humans well okay they're gonna scour azir (laughs) yeah but in broken realms right they had genocide of elves and excelsis and like and i think that's part of what key is getting at too is that even in cities of sigmar they have this rivalry between those from azir and those of the reclaimed and there are these divides even in the good races right um right so I, i think it's a fair question no one's perfectly good. No one's perfectly evil, except for those who are perfectly evil. Um, Darth Alec has, <laughs> has another question. I don't. I, actually, I didn't count. Maybe Kid had more questions than Darth Alec, but it's too late to say. Oh, uh, man. But yes, uh, is there a direction for Nurgle going forward indicated by this book in terms of lore? So I feel like that's a wrap-up question that we always ask at the end of these battle tomes. Is just generally, is there a direction for Nurgle going forward? Do you guys get? Do you get a sense of uh, vector uh, for? Nurgle here? Uh, uh, my short answer is no. I don't have like a here's for sure what the big push is from Nurgle. Like it's, I feel like this book laid out a lot of here's reasons why you could fight in these different places and here's some motivations, but there's not like a, there's not like a Nagash style, like the big thing, like Nurgle's cooking himself up a black pyramid somewhere, you know, like that's not. I don't. I don't have anything concrete now. I may have missed it, and maybe one of you guys can 
tell me how, but uh, uh, I I didn't have one big central thrust towards something that I that I could point to. I would say that there is a direction for Nurgle, and the direction is in not ascending. Right, Nurgle has been in ascension, specifically in Garan. And with this cycle of life, they are not ascending anymore. I feel like they are starting to retract. And that will leave space for other chaos gods to fill the void, right? So perhaps Slanesh or something else. Nothing in this book made me think that Nurgle was going to continue to roll over and just start destroying civilizations like it has in the past. The feeling was far more to me that they have hit the apogee and they are now going to start consolidating their efforts instead of expanding their effort perigee if you will um yeah i agree i think that they are not like there's a a bunch of little like potential uh jumping off points that they sort of mention and i have to imagine they've left this pretty open-ended on purpose so that whoever is sort of in charge of deciding where the story is going next for like the story in you know uh, uh, title case um, that they can then insert, you know, whichever of these storylines was most important into that. Uh, and so then they can say, well, you know, remember how we mentioned this like thing about, you know, skyships being taken over by Nurgle forces. Well, you know, here we are in Kaman with all this major stuff that's happening and Nurgle has his part that he's doing. And, um, but I don't think it's going to be the central focus of anything. Um, and I think that we're going to continue to see like just snippets of what's happening with Nurgle, but it's going to continue to be smaller parts. Um, except maybe if we want to see an expansion of Alarial's story. Um, and in, in that case, it might even be like a, a further pushing back of Nurgle where Alarial, because she's in ascendancy is going to be able to take back a lot of the territory that is owned by Nurgle right now. Yeah, sure. 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 Um, I think for this book, it, it um, ends up taking a reactionary stance as opposed to like a proactive stance, which is to say the things that we read about in here are like the forces of Nurgle's reaction to uh, larger events in the world, as opposed to being the drivers for a lot of those uh, events in the world. So um, they're reacting to the life quake. They're reacting to um, sort of the rampaging orc hordes. Uh, so it's things are happening to them as opposed to them being the ones that are acting upon the world right now. And that obviously is just temporarily where they are currently. Um, but I don't necessarily think they'll be the drivers anytime soon, as, as you as you all said, um, in terms of the larger story. So they're they're going to take a little break and uh, we'll circle back to them uh, at a later date. And if I'm going to be a little bit meta, right, I don't think any race that gets one new model is necessarily going to be a lower driver going forward. Yeah. Ooh, sick burn. Ouch. Mm. Yeah. Hot fire. Um, all right, let's shift gears just a little bit as just a, one of the one of the final thoughts that we can have here is are, are there black library examples? We've talked about a few of them already um, uh, for f- that folks ought to read if they want to learn more. They want to get in the headspace of Nurgle. Um, do you guys have any recommended reading for those Nurgle fans out there? I'm going to reiterate Nagash, Shanda, and King. Totally worth it. Two different yeah. Nurgle forces. So if you want to go demons, there's an army for you. If you want to go mortals, there's an army for you. Um, so, yeah. Totally recommend those. Yeah, uh, Order of the Fly is always going to be great, and there's a there's several of those uh, by 
Josh Reynolds out there. Um, just love that uh, that whole concept. So it's almost a shame that like I worry that we won't ever get Order of the Fly again. I mean, it, they reference it in this book, Shut but like mouth. I don't know if we'll get more <laughs> of them. Um, yeah. And then I'll make it a point to I'll maybe put it in the short show notes, but I can highlight all those stories that actually have Order of the Fly represented representation because there's a handful of them and you wouldn't necessarily know it by the cover so some of them are a little are a little hidden um, worth bringing out but yeah they there's a fair number of them yeah and as a a a point of order as it were um the fly so black talon um would seem to be an order about nurgle a a novel about nurgle it's actually about a zinch uh sorcerer so if you're looking at Black Talon because Neve Black Talon was released with that box set between Horticulus and Neve Black Talon, it's not the, the main thrust of the story. So I, I would I'd go back to Nagash the Undying King or um, Plague Garden by Josh Reynolds, which is the other Order of the Fly heavy novel that we have. Plague Garden. No, I'm not sorry. much Order of the Fly in Plague right, Garden. You're absolutely but, correct. Uh, they're, yeah. But they are definitely Play- Nurgle heavy. Play Garden's a place to go if you want to know more about uh, Nurgle's garden in the realm of chaos. Like it goes through all the seven rings. It's very like huge mythology stuff going on there. Like it's really, that's a really fun journey. I think there is one order of the fly guy in Play Garden. Um, he's like, in, he's like in someone's head, I think at one point. Anyways, <laughs> Inside uh, someone's head. Well, he's like, a, he's like an inner monologue mm, voice thing. I don't okay. know. Is that a spoiler? Maybe I shouldn't even bring that up. Um, <laughs> I'm going to throw one. I think those are the obvious ones that we've talked about. And like a lot, we've done shows on a lot of those. So by all means, go back and listen to the shows if you'd like. A new one that I just read just the other day. Um, it's called The Growing Seasons by Richard, I can never say it, Strachan. Um, I'd say Straken. Straken. Okay, Straken. Dang it. Um, but at any, way, at any rate, uh, I went through and I... Uh, I've now I just went through and I've read all his AOS stories just over the past few days just to make sure I got completely caught up because he's quickly becoming one of my favorite Black Library authors. And um, this is one of his horror short stories in the collection called Invocations, which is a bunch of horror short stories. Um, and I was even hesitant to bring it up because it's kind of, it's a little bit of a spoiler to even reference that it's a Nurgle story, but I think it's worth it's worth getting over that hump so I can share it with with all of you because it's actually really good. It's broken up into like four parts, um, but I really enjoyed it. So check that one out. I won't, I won't give any else, anything else away. It's a good one, though. Um, any other Black Library tales? So I, I, I cheated and I looked up on uh, Age of Sigmar Lexiconum. Um, the Tainted Axe, which I was thinking was a Order of the Fly, it does contain Order of the Fly as well, according to Age of Sigmar Lexiconum. Yeah. There's a couple stories in Legends of the Age of Sigmar Sylvaneth. Um, that also include a uh, Order of the Fly, and again, Plague Garden is mentioned. The Gashiandang King, Order of the Fly, Tourney of Fate. Then um, it's also in Soulbound and Scourge of Fate, and in Slaves to Darkness. There's even a little bit of a talk about it, so it's all over the place. So absolutely check that out. Uh, my only shout out is uh, Gates of Dawn way back, way back at the very start of Age of Sigmar. Um, the, and this is, this is a tip of the hat to Josh Reynolds because uh, Lord Grelch, a character who shows up and I think dies within a chapter. Uh, but that was the first uh, iteration that I saw of a, a Nurgle character that, and this was the guy who was like, all he wanted to do was garden, you know, and like, this is this is my first experience of a black library uh, author making a um, 
making a, a anything close to sympathetic chaos character uh and uh that was kind of a magic trick that really made me sort of fall in love with age of sigmar um and so uh, hats off to josh reynolds who can really write a nurgle character yeah he can all the best <laughs> seems like almost all the best ones are josh reynolds um so uh, friend of the show real. friend of the show best friend <laughs> my personal best friend um, <laughs> One one way best friend. Um, so let's <laughs> let's close her out with our final thoughts. If there's anything left lingering, I want to hear about it and then tell us give us, I don't give it a rating if you want to. You don't have to. I I will be bold and say that um, the Blight Kings and uh, and their um, sculpts right now, especially their uh, Pasquale Blight Lords, and um, when we got to the the Brothers Glot, they have some of the like if you just do a mortal Nurgle army, it's one of the most beautiful races we have in Age of Sigmar. <laughs> as far as painting, like they're so fun to paint. They're such gorgeous models, even though they're filled with. I, yeah, so, I mean, out out of the box, like pretty incredible. Oh my right? goodness! Like I, I, I like when I saw the first model, which was released in Age of Sig or in Warhammer Fantasy, which is, I think is the Lord of Blights. Um. I was blown away. And then they literally just took that and ran with it. So uh, it's just an absolutely beautiful range, really well done. And so many things to choose from. And if you're running that army, you can easily make a 2000 point army because just a unit of Blight Kings is something like 250 points. And so you can easily just do the mortal Blight Kings plus Goyal Blight range range and have a beautiful elite Wonderful army to make, absolutely. If you're into that kind of thing, is that your your rating of the book? Um, as far as the rating of the book, because it gave you three different ways of doing that army, um, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it because it made me think about Nurgle in a different way. Because it was so pronounced about the idea that it removed pain and it took away hope, which was something that didn't belong in the Age of Sigmar. I, I like that was a completely different way of looking at the book and it made me not read it as, Oh, it's full of disease and filth and all these disgusting things, but a way of dealing with the horrors of the average person. Like I, I've, I appreciated that a lot and I'd probably give it like six out of eight spiders, maybe even seven for how much it made me appreciate something that I did not appreciate before, despite the fact that I had two, 2000 point armies. Uh, <laughs> it, it was a background that I didn't appreciate. All right, very cool. I'm glad I turned you around. Uh, Phil, what do you think? I didn't mean to yell at him. Sorry, I didn't mean to yell at you. Uh, Phil, <laughs> mm. Phil, what did you, what did sorry, you think of this up. book? <laughs> um, I mean, there was plenty of stuff that I was pleasantly surprised by. Um, so Nurgle is probably my least favorite chaos god. Uh, and just the motifs and things. Like just reading about Nurgle and like all of the diseases and things kind of actually makes me a little bit sick just to read about it. So I don't <laughs> usually enjoy doing anything with Nurgle. Um, but but there's some of the stories here that I think are pretty interesting. And if like if if the idea of this sort of diseased fighters, I guess, uh, I can't think of a better word, uh, if that's like a thing that like really resonates with you, then I think this is going to be great. And there's lots of like cool lore that you could really dig into. Like ignoring the disgustingness of them i think that the the drowned uh 
whatever they're called um drowned men? the drowned men um the, <laughs> yeah What's i don't know word? <laughs> i don't know why i couldn't think of that i was thinking of something more than just men but yeah uh drowned bros like they they actually seemed like a really cool idea to do modeling for so it was like oh that'd be cool and then i was like yeah it'd be covered in disgusting like pus and stuff and i don't like that at all um but yeah so i mean i will say <laughs> I'll give it a seven out of 10 um, because I, I thoroughly enjoy the story very much dislike the actual like characters and their motif. And, and I feel like giving them a seven is probably higher praise than any other number I could have given them any. <laughs> they prefer seven to a 10. Uh, Davey, please tell me what you thought about this book. Uh, I will go two out of three lobes of Nurgle. Yeah. Ooh, I like uh, and that is uh, mostly because I thought it was solid. I thought if you didn't know anything about Nurgle going in, it was great. Uh, if you've been like me reading about plague bears since you were, I don't know, <laughs> for the last, let's say 30 ish years, uh, then it's uh, there wasn't anything new. And I know that's kind of an outlier, but uh, I, I didn't feel like I came away with a lot of like, Oh man, I never thought about that before. Uh, I, there's, uh, there's stuff that since Age of Sigmar has been established, and I don't, I don't feel like I picked up as much new stuff as as I would, as would make me really excited about a book. Um, that being said, there's plenty of stuff that I read as uh, as with any army book where I was like, oh yeah, like maybe I maybe I get some boxes of Nurglings and then do a twice born and just see what happens there, like just see where it goes and all that sort of thing. So that's. Uh, that's still positive, but uh, just didn't blow my hair back. Um, but enjoyable nonetheless. What about you, Aaron? Right you rate this thing? Well, thank you for that. We left you the seven. Um, there's some pros and cons. I, I felt uh, sort of just to the, I don't know, structure or like the the, the context of this book. Uh, for instance, I never read the first. So this is the second Magikin book, I think. Or, so I never read the first one. So this was my first like head first dive into this army. And so because of that, a lot of this stuff was fresh enough. Like, you you know, you pick up a lot of the history from the Magikin from a lot of the other stuff that we read, but this is the first time that like, I really you know, doubled down on reading about them specifically. And so because of that, just the freshness of like this first pass, like that earns credit for me. Um, mm -hmm. However, at the same time, like this is definitely a stopgap book. Uh, this is a, a way to, this is very much a meta catch the army up to AOS 3.0 like rules wise or like format wise and so because of that you can't necessarily expect it to come swing in with all that brand new hot stuff like they can they can sprinkle in um you know hints and uh just the, an uplift um or like a facelift i guess to sort of catch the lore up to present day but it's never going to be like i said before it's never going to be the, the they're not going to be the driver if it's just not their place in the story currently. And so because of that, it's hard to get excited um, about, again, this stopgap book. Um, but it's not its fault. Like, it serves a functional purpose in the game. It's just from a, from a lore perspective, it doesn't, it's not going to get you as excited as, you know, that, that new army or that army that comes with a you know, brand new series of releases. It's just not, just not that exciting. Um, there will be a time where they get a bigger range. It's just today's not that day. Um, so that's why it's not a three out of three, right? It, it holds it back a little bit. Um, it's sort of like we had we had to review because we hadn't done Nurgle before, and we can now check Nurgle off our list, um, and we'll hold off until you know something new, exciting comes for them uh, down the line. Whether that's a year from now, whether that's ten years from now, who's who's to say? Um, but all in all, uh, 
talking about the talking about the army makes me like the army more. It makes me like the book more. Just sort of getting your guys' opinions, and you can highlight stuff that I hadn't really thought about. And it's one of the few times that I've read a battle tome at the same time while I was assembling Nurgle stuff. So just yeah. <laughs> before I was doing my Skates Wild Hunt, I was putting together all my Nurgle units, and so because of that, it I don't know sort of creates that connection that. Um, I wouldn't have had had I not been assembling. So that's kind of outside the context of the book, but it definitely helped me enjoy it more. So I'm going to stick to my two out of three. That's kind of the best a book like this was ever going to get, because again, it's not really pushing the, or, you know, expanding the boundaries or, or pushing the story forward. But that, again, nature of the beast of Nurgle. What? Okay. Um, so I, I have one thought and this thought is, is, is pretty simple and it's going to sound like it's a bad thought, but it, 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 I think it's actually a really good one, which is that, I, I love the Judge of the Fly, and it's one of the like the most compelling and interesting sub-factions that we have in Age of Sigmar, and we've had some of the best literature for Black Library written about the Order of the Fly. And reading this battle tome did not disillusion me to how much I loved the Order of the Fly. And for me, that's a huge success because it is such a compelling part of the narrative that we have in Black Library. And it easily could have been something that made me go, yeah, I'm, I'm not that interested anymore. Or this really draws me out of what I thought was cool about Nurgle. And I don't feel like this battle tome did that. And so therefore it was absolutely a success because that would have been really easy to do. Battle tome didn't make you like Nurgle any less. That's exactly. glowing, glowing praise. Um, <laughs> but you know, no, 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 that's fine. That's fine. Not yet. Yeah, one either. of the coolest things that we have in the, all of Age of Sigmar. Just goofing on you. Yeah. Um, so boot goofing yep yeah <laughs> and i think it's it that might it might be that time you guys unless you object i do not no. I do not. and, what, and what, what time is that it's time for our reforging but sigmar willing will be back soon like subscribe share or leave a review join us on discord drop a tip on our patreon anything you can do will spread the word of sigmar farther than we can on our own chat with us anytime about your thoughts on twitter at the modal realms uh paul where can they find you online at pj shard uh, Phil, where can they find you online? Uh, usually just hanging out in our Discord. <laughs> what a great, what a great <laughs> just place. Just chilling. Yeah. Uh, Davey, how about you online? Uh, I'm at red underscore Zeke, or if you want to talk uh, Underworlds, then at WTHCast. Awesome. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at DosAsos, and you can find all our Mortal Realms shows and content at www.themortalrealms.com. I'm sorry, I got distracted. All right, we're gonna close the, close the spreadsheet, Aaron. Here we go. <laughs> focus. I'm gonna need you to focus up. Roger, gonna do another film. <laughs> Life is a box of chocolates. <laughs> <laughs> yes. This is the tale. Not better. <laughs> I say that all the time under my breath. <laughs> not better. Not better. <laughs> yeah. But I don't I think anyone can't wants that. Fathom how anyone listens to these whole things. Like, it's insane. <laughs> it blows them. And you know, maybe if, they don't. But there, if you don't put that like statement entirely out of context in the after show notes, <laughs> then you are not my friend. Missed opportunities. <laughs> yeah. Um.